0: You
1: sound so sad when you say that. Well, because this one, this intro isn't as funny. Yeah, it
0: just like
2: sucked all the energy out of it. So now our intro, is that the other intro that we're not <laughs> yeah, using, well, is better. Well, so if you're wondering, <laughs> we had this amazing intro earlier. It was Jason just shot down. It wasn't and, amazing. You know, overall, do the other isn't as high. But Listen, you know what, this... my my overall spirit is be- just because you know it was my last day at an elementary school that I worked at for the past eight years, and you know, starting life in. The video game industry next week. Yeah, congratulations. Yes. That doesn't mean Somewhat we're going relevant to the
0: podcast necessarily yeah, we I shouldn't be on Twitter while we're on the podcast.:' we're, This is a, almost as grave a star as the last one, but yeah, um, this is, we, you would think after 222 episodes, that's the number you guys were looking for earlier. 222 222 episodes you would think by now we'd know a palindrome, but yeah, we're the palindrome episode. There's only one of those every 111?
2: I thought you were going to make a palindrome right now. No. I'm so disappointed? No.
0: So mm-hmm. until you get to 1,000. Anyway, this episode's called All Scrambled No, because at episode
1: no? three hundred thirteen that's also a paladrome.
0: you think about it. Oh. Wraith card. No, like every right. every eleven no. Uh, no. Not for a while. Anyway, this episode number two hundred twenty two, uh we're calling this episode this is a first, neither of them know it, All Scrambled Up. Because later, well, in, the show, just just explain, later in the terrible, show, you'll explain, later in the show, we'll be, thank it's you. It's not man. great either. But later in the show, we're going to be going, or you, Kevin, the middle of the road, very Kevin's going to be going hands-on yeah. with the upcoming Persona 5 very Scramble. Mm-hmm. Thank you. But, uh, not the good kind of Jason. Uh, what? Yeah. Not, the, the, not the good kind of Jason? There's like yeah. 10% good in you and the rest. It's it's like just, we just. That's unfortunate. But anyway, the reason we're calling it that is not just because of Persona 5 Scramble, which again, Kevin has impressions of later in the show, comes out in a couple weeks, but really... It's more than that because, like, as we just about, we've been doing this for a while, right? 222 episodes. And after covering Nintendo and gaming for all those episodes all those years, you kind of, like, at some point, after a certain point, you kind of know what to expect from the news. Like, especially as we've been gaming for, like, a couple of decades. It, there's a certain long, level of... <laughs> it doesn't take
2: that long, What? Uh, it doesn't take that long.
0: Yeah, yeah. But my point is, like, there's a certain level of expectation... And, you know, you know things like Nintendo's never going to give their IP to someone else to put on a different console. E3 is always going to be the central place for video games once a year. You know, small stuff like Professor Oak is THE Professor Oak. There's not multiple Professor Oak. But all these things these past few weeks have been completely upended. All the expectations scrambled. Hence, all scrambled up. So that's how it comes from. Uh, in this episode, we are talking about exactly those things. Wonderful 101 going multi-platform. Our impressions of Pokemon Home, the rapidly changing face of E3, a bunch of other stuff, those NES and Super Nintendo games coming to Switch Online, which are questionable at best. Uh, so we have timestamps for all that over at Ramtown.com, or if you're on the YouTube video, it's under this um, under this video. But uh, yeah, I, 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 well, frankly, actually, I'm not even sure why all these unexpected, kind of bizarre things are happening at once. Like my only theory is that much like how the mood can af- uh, the mood the moon can affect the tides. I feel like maybe the longer we go between Nintendo Directs, the more confusing Nintendo News becomes because it doesn't know what to do with itself. Because believe it or not, not necessarily matters, but we're currently in the single longest gap of Nintendo Directs since they started doing them in 2011.
2: But isn't that if you ignore the mini? Now,
0: yeah, so granted, if you exclude game-specific ones and the indie presentation, which was never considered a Direct, really. So if you exclude the Pokemon Direct for Sword and Shield, uh, the Sakurai presentation for Terry and Byleth, and indie showcase we have not had a multi-game presentation of first-party games since september 4th 2019 but i do feel like um yeah it's kind of cheating to say there's been nothing because there has been those um and it's one of those things that like in due time we're gonna have one like we basically know nothing about their plans after start of fiscal year in april we know no more heroes is coming bravely default 2 is coming that xenoblade remaster is coming but time frame who knows and what other games are coming this year? Who knows? But it's not Nintendo won't tell us. So I do find it kind of funny that I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to the internet. But everyone's freaking out about the lack of directs. And every little thing's becoming a rumor every time. If Nintendo, I would just
2: not do one. And just keep doing what they're doing. Maybe just like <laughs> make Nintendo the game-specific direct
0: for every single one of those games that they would have announced in a direct. I don't know. But the thing is, those directs have like 25 games. How often are they going to make you watch a 10-minute presentation? Uh, you I need mean, some sort of, like, digestible... You, yeah, it's like but, but if you watch
2: those direct, and which you obviously do, yeah. like, not all of those games. I would even say, like, half of them, like, you could, like, not even put them in the direct, and they could have, like, their own little just, like, trailer getting revealed, because they're not, like, these big games.
0: Exactly. So, for that purpose, you want to give them the bigger spotlight, because no one's going to watch them otherwise. Oh, well, I mean... They, right? I feel, like, for the developers, for the publishers, like, you uh, kind of that, that, That's a good them that point, moment.
2: but I feel like they... Could, Get ignored as much as they would have
0: I mean it's Um, kinda like it's kinda like you can watch a deep dive on one topic on like twenty twenty or dateline or something, or you can watch like the day like, you know, the nightly news that goes through everything that happened in the day. Which one are you gonna invest the time in? More people will do the surface level stuff. But at least that's my take on it. But I I do think like the nice thing about doing the game specific directs is they're not gonna do those like crazy long thirty five minutes, here's everything you need to know about Mario Kart eight in excruciating detail, or here's, you know, here's a direct, but really 30 out of 40 minutes where are all just Smash Bros like they are kind of breaking it up but it it feels like you're about to say something Kevin you're making faces at me
1: I, no I'd much rather have the <coughs> excuse me the uh
0: the directs of the multiple games honestly yeah me too I'm just saying like at least when they do it this way they could branch out the longer segments and then just do the rapid fire like I think the minis are the best best presentation because that's like 15 minutes they just go boom 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 and announce a bunch of stuff When's
1: the, what was the last big, big direct September 4th 2019 what was on that one Oh man! I thought yeah, I had the everything. Reveal
2: the Final Fantasy games coming to Switch. Um, also, uh, uh,
1: other things. Was that the when Banjo got announced
2: uh, to be coming out that same day?
1: Was that was when Aqua was announced? Uh, maybe it was right. That was literally
2: that was the one like right after it. Sakura had the thirty minute long Banjo Jeez. presentation.
0: Yeah, that yeah that's when that's back to back. It um yeah I can tell you what else there was. I think Tokyo Mirage was teased in it, maybe. Oh uh, was it the one with uh, oh, there's Deadly, a lot. it was the one with Deadly Premonition 2 right and Overwatch and Tokyo Mirage sessions mm-hmm. and uh Pokemon Sword and Shield update and Tetris 99 version 2.0 and Mario and Sonic and and a bunch of other stuff um Link's and Awakening w- updates. I
1: wouldn't really say that that one was great great It was 38 minutes long It was fine That doesn't mean anything <laughs> No I'm just, saying, 30, I'm just saying 38 minutes long so like, it awesome. was 8 minutes long and then the 30 minutes soccer I think
0: No no that was separate from nah, That yeah, that was just no. Oh, oh this guy but <laughs> I'm, done. I'm done with this podcast <laughs> but yeah it's uh I, I it is i do think the mini is a better format but it is kind of funny to watch the internet like nintendo upload a private video to their youtube on thursday it's like oh there's gonna be a direct tomorrow and everyone freaks out and of course nothing happens and it just keeps happening over and over and over and i, I do understand why people are like passionate about wanting one but nintendo will get
2: there because like yeah, getting mad at another thing it yeah nintendo fancy to have a Uh, entitlement problem (laughs) well i mean i guess a lot of
0: fandoms do in general but Mm. uh, yeah it just gets really ugly when you see the comments
2: but luckily i don't so and and
0: i do i do think that like the the other side of it is like there could be a very good reason we haven't had one like everyone's like oh why isn't town not telling us anything but like remember what happened with luigi's mansion 3 where like they revealed it back in fall of like 2018 or something then they did some directs after that first half of 2019 no luigi it completely vanished off the map Then at E3, there it was playable, but they couldn't confirm a date. They kept saying 2019, probably. And then only in that September Direct did they finally say, okay, Halloween, which was like eight weeks in advance. So if you assume, let's say they have that issue where they can't quite lock down a game yet, for let's say three of their big games in the Direct, Xenoblade, No More Heroes, Bravely uh, Default 2, like you know they're all coming this year, but they can't figure out when exactly. I feel like doing a Direct where it's like, remember those games we told you were coming? Well, they're still coming, and that's all they say. Like that doesn't really give you much, but they could kind of like prime the pump a bit. If they I feel like low. more
1: recently, whenever they uh, reveal a game, yeah, the game usually comes out soon. Like that's uh, yeah. which one was the first one that uh, I think Super Mario Maker. Like yep when they when they got a reveal trailer, it was out it was, just like was in it a couple of three months. months. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that's
0: and, they've been doing that a lot. The shorter, yeah. So I think that's why I think they're not doing a direct because I, I don't think they have anything quite ready, and they're still yeah. locking down the dates the same way they did with Luigi, but instead of giving us a year in advance tease and then another tease and then another tease or just waiting to like, Is like, that a
1: thing day. where they want to generate a little bit of hype where yeah. it's like, and it's out in two weeks. Like. Right.
0: Yeah. And, and yeah, they've been doing that more and more since like the Wii U days. So it makes sense. But, um, yeah, so that, I think that's why we're having no direct. Uh, but it is, it is kind of bizarre nonetheless. Um, that said, we have been having all this weird loose odds and ends of news. I mean, obviously there's the, the DLC we talked about, um, but in tandem with all this is, like, the weird news that's been happening. And I think perhaps the biggest of the bunch is that Nintendo seems to be loosening its grip on some of its IPs, specifically the Wonderful 101, which literally the day after our last episode, Platinum Games, developer of Wonderful 101, uh, launched a Kickstarter to bring the game back in remastered form to Switch and PS4 and PC. And what's interesting here is besides just the fact that a game, well deserving of a second chance, is now getting that uh wonderful one one is actually co-owned by and trademarked by nintendo so basically nintendo gave what amounts to one of their own ips to platinum games so they could launch this Kickstarter and bring it to competing systems it's a Kickstarter for a game that not only has already hit its goal but will be coming to switch in two months in april so it's not even like a Kickstarter in the traditional sense so there's a there, there's like a lot to unpack there but before we do that um let's back up a sec Give some credit to the game itself because when I said I was deserving of a second chance, like it really was. Like Wonderful One One's a lot of fun, unique action game. I feel like a lot of people slept on it back on uh, uh, the Wii U and didn't really pay attention to it. And that's with Nintendo doing heavy promotion. I don't know if you guys remember those Wonderful Wednesday presentations they did, and then they had Decade Direct and all sorts of other stuff. But uh, yeah, it's it's now getting a second lease on life. So I mean, did Kevin? Did you? ever I know Angel did because we talked about it way back in 2013. Mm. Did you ever play Wonderful One Negative. Did you ever have interest in Wonderful One One?
1: Uh, not really. I do like platinum games, but that one just never got my attention. Mm. Yeah, it's very over the top, but it definitely really
2: deserves a second chance. Like Jason said, it's just a shame that it was on the Wii U. Not that the Wii U. Sucked, you want to like but... sum
0: up in like a couple sentences what it is for people who maybe because no one played it. Like literally, nobody played it. Like it's. I mean, I can do it too if you don't want to. <laughs> oh no, I'm just. To... <laughs> you just stared at me like. Well, I mean, my... <laughs> I don't
2: know. I I'm sure you have a much more efficient way of describing it than I probably could have come up with. So sure. So like, give me what you have. The, all right. That's so, a better version of what I was going to so say. So,
0: basically, it's um, an action game like all of Platinum Games' other action games. But the difference is you have up to 101 heroes you're recruiting to complete, compete your, complete your actions by making these heroes do formations and have special powers. So you go, like, environment to environment, level to level, and you're piling on more and more heroes to do these special attacks. And um, for me, what made the game kind of stand out is just the fact that it was to... Angel's point very over the top it's very comfortable being ridiculous it like walked the line really well between paying homage to like cheesy superhero shows and things like Power Rangers and being one of those things without it being too I
2: mean over the top like it it, it was over the top but it was
0: comfortable on it I mean
2: at it's core it definitely played like all the other platinum games like don't let the fact that there's a hundred of these characters like like, you, you don't really have to manage them like they don't take damage on their own if they get hit like it's only when you're like in these formations that like they'll get knocked out and stuff like that yeah I mean like and what's really cool about the game is I mean the only thing that I guess will turn some people off that I guess in other games when you can switch between weapons like mid combo or that kind of stuff like in Bayonetta like in this one you have to do like I guess gestures with the stylus or I guess in this port's case you're gonna well actually you could have done it in the original version too you hold the R button then you do like a big circle so you could have, like, the bomb or you could do, like, a straight line so you could have the sword and you could do that mid-combo to extend them. You could make them small so you could have a tiny fist. So you could do quicker punches or make it a
1: big fist so you could do a little more damage. it's like a Okami kind of. Yeah, it's Which, like, like, it's uh, like yeah, rapid yeah, fire Okami. It's,
0: it's, yeah, it's literally, it's literally like Okami. It's Okami, skin-like, beautiful Joe, with lackiness yeah. of Power Rangers, and a good variety of moves and activities. Because, like, besides just doing the normal action, there's like, a Punch Out! Homage at one point. There's something. That's yeah, I, I like would say this is at definitely one point. like
2: of all the platinum games. I think this is the one that like goes like it's at its peak, like platinum as far as like over the topness. Oh yeah, and like like Bayonetta like gets crazy, but I think like this one like it it literally has its kick and needs it too, but like in a good way. Like it does everything. Like I don't know. It, it's, Where would you rank it, it against the others? Where best... would you
0: rank it against the others? I mean, just like like as, as a overall experience that you enjoy or Um, just you like which of the platinum games because you i mean play them which is which is uh like your peak which is your favorite platinum game and where does this compare or is this that one
2: uh, it it would definitely be this one Mm. this is this is like the one that i would probably say like if you're going to play one platinum game you would have to play this one this is probably the most because yeah because i feel like this one like almost like defines like their like comp like their humor like their ad their type of action the type of difficulty the type of story... Because, I mean, a lot of platinum games like have well, I mean, mainly Bayonetta and this one, but like you I mean, a lot of them have like that kind of like, oh you fight like you have your rival, you start like, you know, small it's, Right. There's parallels. There's parallels right. in all of these stories, but it's also I don't know, it's also kinda of anime. You know, there are like like, like more the kind of <laughs> I feel like yeah. this
0: is
1: clearly their favorite, yeah. the fact that they're going out of their way to to like port this.
0: I, I do think and I think part of it is like yeah, it's definitely a, like a their favorite child in some degree, but I also think like, like it you, has a good amount of depth. So they have even... so much fun making this game. Yeah, and it has, like yeah. a lot of depth you don't really notice. because like there's the combat system, which is one thing which all the bayon- all the bayonettas, all the platinum games, all the Bayonettas they make have. But um, all three of them. All which we're the waiting of them. on the third. I guess. But um, and, and but there's also like each individual hero can be ranked up separately and trigger, not all of them, but like there's a bunch of individual heroes that can be ranked up separately, trigger different special moves, so it actually in a way has more replayability even than the other Platinum games for that reason. I mean, I think personally, I I just really love the aesthetic of Astral Chain, so I might rank that a little higher, but but this is like, I rank this above the Bayonetta's for sure. So, or at least, yeah, I played, well, I guess there's only two that's out, so I played the two that are out. And I mean, I'm just talking but, like,
2: spectacle-wise, I mean obviously, oh yeah, if you yeah. talked about like, the core gameplay mechanics, you could kind of go with I mean, if you don't like the way you have to change between the hero attacks. I mean, I actually personally like the way you fight in Bayonetta more. Mm. Like, I just think that one's a little more fun. But this one's like, story-wise, or just, like, a game you just experience. Like, yeah, I would definitely give it to this one.
0: Yeah, and they, to your point about um, drawing the shapes, if you're on the Switch version, you'll still be able to in handheld mode. And then for PC, PS4, and uh, TV mode of Switch, it will use the right stick. Which is not a game you would want to
2: play in handheld mode, though. Yeah, because it's going to be
0: super condensed and
2: packed. Yeah, this game has like a tilt shift camera kind of thing going on that makes everything look miniature, which looks really cool on a TV. But if you had to play it on something tiny, it's just going to look microscopic.
0: It is a really cool fact. But you know, to that point, they're not planning necessarily to um, add new stuff to the game. Uh, Well, now they are because they hit some stretch goals. Um, but I'll get to that in a sec. But they are cleaning up some UI, and they are cleaning cleaning up some of that other stuff because of how, you know, the tilt shift and how cluttered it can get. Because they're taking what was on two screens and putting it on one. Which, actually, I'm really curious to see how they do. Because, like, the the controls, okay, you don't have a gamepad, you don't touch anything, fine. In fact, now that I think about it, I think I actually preferred using the stick, even on the Wii U version, weirdly enough. Because, like, the I remember the gamepad, it was so... You had to get the exact... Exact shape, so it's like draw this like crooked L. If you didn't do the the angle, or if you drew the L too long on one side, you'd be like, nope, that's not the L. It's like, wait, hold on. But um, I mean, it is in
2: the beginning, but I mean, I don't want to say like like oh, we'll just get good, but I mean, it's definitely something that becomes a non-issue. But that it that is something
0: that is something that I I think I actually remember commenting on way back when was um, it sort of throws you in without much explanation or like you need to do it exactly this way. Like there's a lot like items they don't tell you about, there's little things in corners they don't tell you about, but they're cleaning that up. So, apparently, they've heard that feedback. So, the thing they are changing in the game, in the core game, is they're cleaning up the UI, and they are Im- basically help improving the lack of handholding. They're not going to go full hand-holding, yeah. To have more tutorial stuff.
2: It, it really just affects, like, to make, like, the whip, you have to do, like, a quick curl, but to do a bomb, you have to do a big circle. So, if yeah. you're doing it really fast, like, on the fly, you might... You know, make a quick curl when you're trying to do the bomb, and you might get the whip. Yeah, so yeah, so it's like that sort of stuff stuff. they're
0: going to clean up. But and then if for the remaster, because it's hit two stretch goals, we're also getting two entirely new side-scrolling adventures called the first uh, Luca's first mission, and actually the second stretch goal hasn't been met as of when I looked at the numbers. It's coming up, but that one's gonna be the second mission. Even with all the money, they're at 1.6 million out of uh, two million to get to the second stretch goal. Jesus. Uh, But what I'm mostly curious, curious about is so they're doing the UI stuff, whatever, but. I don't know how to replace some other elements of the gamepad, like the puzzle elements and the gameplay elements. Because even stuff like if you go into a building, it would show up on the gamepad. Think like how Four Swords Adventures on GameCube, you know, you go in a room and you're on your Game Boy. Yeah, but when it you like did that, that on the
2: TV, like it would literally just overlay it on the TV.
0: Yeah, so I was about to say that one seems somewhat okay, but they have to redo some puzzles for that, I feel like. Because I remember there was one in a – Well, bas- literally
2: nothing was going on on the TV when you were doing that because you had – No, there
0: thinking- was. No, don't you remember the baseball stadium in Wonderful One One? Oh, I where, like it. Oh, so no, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like Simon Says kind of where like on one screen it's telling you what to do and you have to do it on the other screen and keep looking back and forth. That's basically worthless if they're on the same screen. It's like, oh, I do the thing that's right there. And they're, like, you know, and they had like, little number save where I mean, you have to, like, crack sanitary, the code yeah. on one. and I mean. But it's like, loses the, the, the franticness. Oh, you have to no, look up I had to look back up. Well, I mean, the, the idea was the franticness of having to keep changing views. There's no franticness if it's in your face the whole time. It was like a boss fight. It needs, you know. So I'm sure they're going to tweak that and change that in some way. But I'm curious to see to what extent they do that. Because, yeah, some of it wasn't frantic. Like, the thing where you had to go and open safes, or not open safes, but you go into, like, Buildings and there's like a count of how many things you had to hit a certain number from inside the building. Like, oh, the number's on a TV. I now know the number. Let me just stare at the gamepad the whole time. But the other one, you're quickly going back and forth. So yeah,
2: definitely something. So like we'll com- see what they well, do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least it's like a part of the game. Honestly, like I had even completely forgotten that was even a part of it. Yeah. I just because when you're playing the game, like those just kind of happen, and you you remember the combat more and some of the environmental pulls that just happen, like as mm-hmm. you're playing that don't involve the two-screen thing. I feel like... Yeah, I mean, it's not going to make
0: or break it. I'm just curious how they're going to address mm-hmm. it, because they have to in some capacity. So is it going to be just well, we just put it on the same screen, or are they going to tweak it so it's a little more challenging, or what? So, we'll see. But that that's all just the actual game. Everything surrounding it is kind of weird and crazy, because, like I was saying before, there's a lot to unpack here, because none of what I said at the top a Nintendo IP going multi-platform with a Kickstarter that will see its release in two months, like... That's not typical for any crowdfunded game. I mean, normally it's a new IP or some super old one that's rescued by another company. Normally, hitting its goal means development will maybe start in two months. The thing won't be out in two months. And yet, here we are, one on Switch in April.
1: I feel like they, they must have been working on this already.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I think is kind of what happened here. Um, that might be the easiest to explain, actually, because the the Switch version, I think you're right, it was probably done, frankly. Yeah. Like, in... Talking, They've been talking about it forever. They've talked about it for like a year. They've been hinting at it forever, and um, you know there are rumors from various "quote unquote" insiders who have been right before, like Emily Rogers and them, that this game was coming to Switch. So I think it was done. But I think what's uh, and actually they went on record that Nintendo told them, "Hey, if you are bringing it to Switch, you can do it with us or go out on your own." So if if I were betting man, I would bet you that yeah, that initial Switch port was done with the intention that Nintendo would publish it. And then, uh, as evident by other comments from Platinum in other interviews they've been doing after the Kickstarter, they probably felt there's a bigger audience to reach and decided to take the gamble of, well, what well, if we do it ourselves? And that's probably why the Switch port only costs 50000 to hit the goal of. But the PC port co- costs 200000 and the PS4 port costs half a million. Because basically the 50000 was Platinum going, okay, can we get this in stores, how we distribute it? It's already done. And the others are like, okay, can we build a game now, a port now?
1: So... I'm I'm sure that they they would have had Nintendo publish it, but yeah. then remember they just got that uh investment from yeah, Tencent. So, so, and that's probably what, what yeah, pushed then, them over the top to be like, Oh no, we could do this ourselves.
0: Exactly. And then when they could do it themselves, it could reach a bigger audience. Yeah. And and I think, you know, it's it's obvious this thing's because like platinum's gonna have a working demo of Wonderful One One on Switch at PAX East in like a month. Literally the week after no, not even the week, a few days after the Kickstarter ends. So clearly, yeah, clearly one thing is ready, they decided to Hedge their bets and it worked out for them because, you know, $1.6 million. The game had a listed goal of 50000 initially. Yeah. Good fun. So, they're, they're a great dev. Yeah. They they got more uh, donations in the first hour of the campaign or more backers in the first hour of the campaign than the entire first week sales of the game in Japan on Wii U. Like, so it, it clearly found an audience now. Um, are you going to double? Do- well, actually, Kevin, you, in I might, way, you I might get. I like, yeah. What about you, Angel? Are you going to double that? No. Yeah, I feel like I'm not either. Uh, if I really um, wanted to, I could just replay it on the Switch. Yeah, you mean the Wii. Whatever.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Are you <laughs> That's how it It's so you... hooked
1: up to your...
2: Uh, no, it... no, it's not hooked no. up anymore, but... I mean, I've been, quote-unquote, like... well, wanting to play it, but not that much. Which kind of reminds me that you didn't bring Beautiful Joe, did you?
0: Or... Not with me, but I'll remember for next time. I was supposed to bring it. Or that
2: other game, I think Between game, Worlds. A Link
0: Between Worlds. Uh, you need to remind me to bring these things.
2: Well, you know, I figured when you said I'll definitely bring it next time that
0: you know. I didn't say would. definitely. I just said I would. Well, I'm mean, a Definitely is a stronger word. I mean, don't put me on blast like this. Well, you I'm, said only, you would. I'm only deserving of two thirds well, of your you, blast, but you're giving me hundred percent of your. Well, blast. you said you would. So I mean, and then I did. I, I still you would. failed you, but I didn't definitely fail you. I just normal <laughs> failed you. Um, but yeah, I don't think I would back it. But you, you know, someone. <laughs> I love this story. You know who did back it? I can't believe this is a real story. Cisco. The guy that sang C- Cisco's
1: a huge gamer.
0: I, uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. He he's friends with uh, like, the the kind of funny chorus? guys. It's it's not important. It's just like a funny weird thing. The guy that sung the the thong song back in the late nineties. Let me see that thong. Something something scandalous. The thong. The thong, 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 thong oh, oh I mean, that's what. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I recognize that. I recognize that chorus, but yeah. So that guy that guy he was part of uh, Drew Hill and some other hip hop group at one point anyway that and guy big new song? well it's just funny that like this dude who was a one hit mm-hmm. wonder in 1999 is suddenly like not just like I'm backing the game but yeah is apparently a big gamer his son's name is Ryu he's a huge Switch fan he was like talking about like in some interview with US Gamer that he like just beat Luigi's Mansion 3 and Tokyo Mirage Sessions is what he's playing right now Along with uh, yeah, Dark Sires and Witcher and all the other person, stuff. Just but like, oh no! What, yeah. What's what's funny is he's trying to use his celebrity to get in the game. He is putting in a request with Platinum and using all his contacts to try and get in touch with Platinum so he can be a cameo in the game, or at the very least, in his words, a palette swap. Which is just like what? Like if you told me, hey, Cisco's going to be a wonderful one hundred and one when it comes out on Switch after Nintendo gives up the IP for Platinum to bring it to other systems, I'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> but yeah, so
2: well, given what we just talked about with the switch one, I guess it sounds
0: less likely or that he'll be in it or that what what's less likely
2: well I mean the game is coming well I guess with I mean they could do it as DLC they're
0: already patching I mean I don't think he's gonna be in it regardless but like yeah Kami has no time for this no he would block him on Twitter actually that's one of the the goals if you do the Kickstarter, is he will block you on Twitter and then there's another goal I think it's beyond the two million for the second story mode where he will unblock everyone he's ever blocked on Twitter Hmm. which is (laughs) Bolt. <laughs> but um, Cisco aside and all that, the, the other question about all this is, so we know why Platinum's doing it. They see an opportunity. But why would Nintendo give up their IP? Take what was a second-party game and bring it to other systems. Because they
1: weren't ever going to do anything with that IP. Not only
0: that, but you're, you're seeing this a lot more common with uh, yeah.
1: with some of the other publishers. well, Like Sony, for instance. Uh, I don't... They definitely so aren't right. a... Not necessarily Horizon, because that is a first-party studio, but with uh, Death Stranding. Yeah, that's true. They're letting uh, 505 games publish that on the PC. Yeah. And, mm, well, I guess less with Xbox, but you saw Ori and the Blind Forest on on Switch.
0: Uh, Has that come out yet? Uh, The original did, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I think, I think so there is part yeah, Cuphead, of... Yeah, Cuphead, Cuphead is too. A, a second mm-hmm. party. So, there is yeah. part of me that thinks it's just Nintendo being nice to their friends. Because, like, Platinum does a lot of stuff for them. Bayonetta, Astral Chain, um, Wonderful 101, and, you know, as you point out, it's kind of a dead IP, so why not? But, there's also, a part of me that thinks this is some weird sort of outreach pl- or reach out, like yeah, outreach play for the IP itself. Because by allowing Platinum to take one for one multi-platform and potentially build some sort of audience for it, Nintendo's basically subtly opening up the possibility Free marketing of for, the uh, yeah for number so two and... exactly. And it, you know, should it blow up or even do better than 101, that could pave the way for then a Switch exclusive Wonderful 102. So are they still co-owners of, of the IP? Or yeah. did the entire what? IP go to Platinum? Um, It sounds like they're licensing it. to Nintendo's licensing it. It Licensing it to Interesting. them. Okay. Yeah, And you know, it's like a game like Astral Chain, they would never do this. Because Astral Chain, that's... Sold, oh, yeah. that's... And, and that's sold like a million copies, and you know, that's Platinum. Yeah. Huh. And Platinum even said in an interview, I think it was just Video Game Chronicle, where they they're just like, yep, this is a one-off favor from Nintendo. There's no way Astral's ever going to see a similar thing. Um, but Astral Chain is literally the same deal. It's the exact same split of copyright and trademark between them. Um, but yeah, I, I think like one for one, one, it kind of makes sense. I mean, literally what it is, is their mobile game strategy. It's just applied outside mobile games. It's what Xbox is doing. Like you said, it's what they're all doing. Um, or well, it's what Nintendo likes to say their mobile strategy is. Um, not to go on too much of a tangent here, but the, the QA transcript from their investor briefing was released last week. And one of the things that they said was the primary purpose of their mobile games and this whole strategy of expanding IP was to bring into contact with Nintendo's games and characters the vast number of consumers who cannot be reached via a dedicated system. Which, okay, sure, that's admirable. That's what they've always said. But at the I, And I wouldn't say that they contradict that, but it it doesn't fully line up with their president, Shintaro Furukawa, also previously saying that his goal is to make mobile a billion-dollar pillar. Like, if one's just to get the games from as many people as possible and the others to monetize them as much as possible i mean i guess that's they don't clash but they're not perfectly lockstep either uh and and actions kind of speak louder than words so um i'm pretty sure that billion dollar pillar is still there whether they say it or not as much as they say oh this is now ip outreach as much as wonderful one one mirrors that um do you guys hear what happened at fire emblem heroes a couple weeks ago no so they announced a monthly premium what pass. Happened? They announced a monthly premium pass is what Whoa. happened. It costs... I'm kidding. That's actually... It like, costs... You ready for this? It costs $9.49. And for $9.49 per month, you get... Oh, and actually, let me back that up. To be clear, this is a $9.49 charge that is separate from the $5 monthly charge for Mario Kart, which is also separate from the $3 and $7 charges for Animal Crossing. <clears throat> And but for... there's
2: still a better deal than the Diddy Kong bundle
0: I don't well here's what you get with what they're calling I'm there. sorry? so the Diddy Kong... yeah it's, it's, a, it's, it's a, a meme it's a running it's, joke that
2: yeah. cause in Mario Kart World Tour there's like a Diddy Kong bundle that costs like 30 bucks and then you get Diddy Kong his car and like a few other things for the
1: mobile game he isn't Diddy Kong is nowhere near
0: no
2: Worth which Kong
0: in your mind is worth Funky thirty dollars? I agree. And people are, and down.
2: someone made a Twitter account where they just compare like everything. Oh, but pretty and sometimes like really good like I can't believe this is like thirty books and you get all of this. And here's Diddy Kong's thirty dollar or like bundle. they
0: were like uh, oh what was yeah like they did that? The
2: Witcher three,
0: <laughs> the <laughs> yeah, DLC. exactly But yeah, no, so, stuff like that. and this is kind of on that scale because for ten dollars a month they're calling this the Feh Pass, which sounds an awful lot like Meh Pass, which is probably a more apt descriptor. But you get access to two new heroes a month. Uh, new quests that give you alternate ways to get some in-game items and some exclusive art. Two new like lottery runs or you no? Just, two or set heroes. Two sw- set heroes. And on some level, it's kind of lame because this means they're actually legitimately paywalling certain characters and certain gameplay. It's not through the gotcha system. They're only this way. Um, but I think Why
2: the, it, it wasn't Fire Emblem doing
0: well. on It its made own? yeah. That's the thing. It made over six hundred million dollars in revenue. Sounds like they're just getting greedy. Really greedy. Yeah. And the bigger thing oh, is that like Nintendo, the best Nintendo. I always well, it. Greeting—it's weird because greeting Nintendo is mobile Nintendo. Oh, you tearing up. I am. It's—it's <laughs> it's really affecting me. No, Greedy Nintendo is mobile Nintendo, which is somehow different in noticeable ways from console Nintendo, which is still somewhat not money grab McGee over there. But um, yeah, what I was gonna say is you—you do—you do realize, maybe you don't. Ten dollars a month. Sorry, nine forty-nine. For two heroes, some art, and some extra items, we'll and a couple on, quests. On home. Well, that's like less. I think that's five a year or something, or well, fifteen a year. A, 15, a year fifteen a year. Oh, okay. But regardless, ten dollars a month. Let's say nine forty nine. That's more than a Hulu subscription. That's as much as all of Xbox Live per month. For that much, for ten dollars a month times twelve months, you can buy three houses. And Tokyo Mirage Sessions, it's like, I was like two... three houses. <laughs> you could buy three houses in the middle of Arkansas, out <laughs> by a video swamp. Video games, invest no, in but, like, real, <laughs> estate, real estate, guys. You know. Let's flip some houses. Random house flip. That's our new podcast. But no, um, hundred twenty dollars. You get two full full Fire Emblem games, or what? Well, one's a spinoff, but still two entire games. Or you can get two heroes, some art, and some in-game things. It's just so bizarre to me. Like, is there any game? That you guys would pay ten dollars a month for just that little for because you like are so obsessed. Like, would you do that for Hearthstone? Hearthstone gives you more value, right?
2: Um. Yeah, but I mean, I, I I wouldn't do any kind of like monthly subscription for a specific game. I feel it would have to be like you know, kind of like the Nintendo on internet, or, or the Nintendo Switch Online, or the Nintendo Internet, <laughs> or or PlayStation Plus, or stuff like that. Right. Like right. the fact,
0: like. It's
2: more expensive than PlayStation Plus in one year. Actually, it's you it's crazy.
0: It is more expensive than Switch Online in one year by tenfold.
2: Well, that's uh, the fact. It's more <laughs> expensive <better> than like <laughs> PlayStation so Plus it's... already, and PlayStation Plus gives you like free full like Wait, games hold on. that came out within a few
0: years. It too. just occurred to me. Like it's nuts. It just occurred to me. So it's nine fifty a month for Fire Emblem. It's another five bucks for Mario oh Kart. God. It's three bucks for Animal Crossing right. and seven bucks for Animal Crossing. If you do all that, you're yeah. paying twenty five dollars a month. Switch Online is twenty dollars a year. These together are 25 a month. That is insane. You could buy a Switch by the end of that's all this. That's more than,
2: like, getting, like, you know, how much is YouTube read? Like, like
0: around 14. the same. It's
2: like $12. Bucks. See? Wow. And, I mean, and I'm sure that's, like, a way better. I mean, I'd rather be paying for that than $10 for, like, one game. That's, it's that's so stupid.
0: It goes back to the idea that they should do one Nintendo account pass for all their mobile games, but they'll never do it because they're apparently making bank. I mean, clearly I mean, the who, other ones have worked enough to I mean, do it It is again.
1: This straight up, like, Nintendo Nintendo, Nintendo,
0: 100% it's upsetting that yeah that like it is it is that's why I wanted to bring that's why I went on this tangent because like I know we were talking about the cool stuff they're doing with their IP like loosening it up but then simultaneously you're like Hey, on mobile we're expanding RIP too Man, for twenty five dollars. I don't know to be associated a with the Nintendo brand anymore. It's really not great. It's, it's, it's like it's, it, 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 it feels like it's like not. I mean, they're not consciously I mean, it's doing kinda it. Kind of part of the course, but a good thing. What are you no, 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 they're not consciously doing it. You didn't. I, I stopped because I think they're not consciously doing this, but it feels like <laughs> they don't like know they're, what they're doing. <laughs> no, no, I'll say they're not consciously doing they're it, but it feels puppets. like they are kind of like iwata was so adamant about not doing nickel and diming and it feels like they're just kind of like not seeing what they could that, get away with like it just feels like like they're not honoring that which i get he isn't he isn't part of nintendo anymore but it just feels like that was so much the like rest in peace king <laughs> right but it just feels like there's so much of nintendo as a company being like yeah no nickel and diming and now like however many years later they're kind of just like meh it's okay now he's gone I don't know. It just, it feels, it it's like, you, taste it's like you're,
1: you're starting to see the the company side of Nintendo more than before.
0: Yeah. Which makes sense. Cause they were led by a developer under Iwata and they're being led by their business head business guy now, or second in charge of business. They're, their numbers guy, literally their numbers guy. Well, that, and that Kim, and yeah, Kimishima well. who was before him, the, you know, the in-between president, he was also there. He was also a business side guy, but he was um, an overall executive, not like their mathematician. <laughs> so um, yeah, it just kind of sucks though it just feels really scummy in a way yeah huh? I'm not like I it's so weird that we I think collectively it kept you are, up at night at least once right? it ha, I have tossed and turned no but it is so weird that like we collectively mm-hmm. wake up in a cold sweat just yeah just like check my phone be like oh no did I accidentally subscribe <laughs> but uh no it is weird though because we're like or a Nintendo podcast. We're big, obviously. We're big Nintendo fans. We like what they do, but it's so strange to me that for f- the first time, I've just like completely walled off a part of what Nintendo does because it's just so not. It's so uh, like I just don't touch their mobile stuff anymore, at all. And it's really weird because like Mario Kart Tour just won. Um, the AIAS Award, which Interactive Academy of Interactive Arts and Science Award for Best Racing Game in 2019, which I don't know about that, but like I'm not even giving it the chance because like all the monetization stuff is. To just... be fair, there hasn't been a great racing game in forever. That's true, but uh, Crash Team Racing was winning in every other award show. But... Did Crash Team feel Racing feel... come out yep. last year? Yep. I take what <laughs> I just said back. I totally yeah, forgot it won that at the game year. awards and, and all that. But um, yeah, like that one best racing game, I'm like, oh, I'd love to really like try it, but it feels like such a money grab with weird touch controls, I don't like that, I'm not going to bother. And that's weird, I'm not used to that. I'm always used to getting Nintendo a chance. Anyway, that was a bit of a tangent. I just felt like, since we are talking about that, it was worth bringing up. But the whole Jesus IP... Christ, that
1: was a tangent? That was a
0: tangent. But no, the whole IP strategy thing, um, it did make me think that if you, like, if you look past the money grabbing aspects of what they're doing on mobile... Uh, the way Nintendo's treating or 101, or even on a smaller scale, Daemon X Machina, like Marvelous brought that to Steam a couple weeks ago. Um, it's, yeah, it's pretty similar to the whole IP pitch. I mean, where I think it perhaps differ, uh, differs is in which IPs they're willing to implement the strategy on for mobile, versus for these like console games. Because for mobile, they're all in with the core games. Like in that same financial briefing, Q&A, as the other stuff, they pretty bluntly said, and I quote, only Nintendo developers can use the character of Mario as we feel best, and we have closely guard our rights so that we don't lose that freedom. So basically, like, again, yeah, no one's touching that. We're going to decide what happens with that. But it's interesting that if you look at like Nintendo historically, what they're doing with Wonderful 101, uh, while perhaps going a bit further now because it's multi-platform, isn't actually all that different from some stuff they've done in the past. Case in point, does anyone remember Operation Rainfall in the Wii days? Yeah. Yeah. Nope oh yeah last story see he knows <laughs> alright there we go <laughs> <laughs> yeah so in the tale you, you got one after he would you like to try the other two Xenoblade yep and the uh, yep. one about the Tower of Pandora's Power. Tower yeah. yep so in the tail end of the Wii days uh, Nintendo had these three games in Japan Xenoblade Chronicles which was from Monolith Soft so second party game last story from Mistwalker that's the studio run by the guy behind Final Fantasy so second party game and Pandora's Tower from this company called I had to look this one up Gambarian. Also, second party, um, and in all three cases, Nintendo owned the trademarks. They published them, and they were like, you know what? We're not going to release them in the states. That's that. But there's a groundswell fan demand, and eventually, they sort of split the difference. So, Xenoblade became directly published by Nintendo, and of course, went on to be a big series for them. In part, because they stuck Shulk and Smash, so they kind of cheated. Uh, but the last story and Pandora's Tower were actually given to Exceed Games to publish, and uh, in this case, they were still Wii-only releases. But I bet you if either of those games took off in the way Xenoblade did, we would have seen Nintendo start to double down on those investments. Much, much like what could happen in for 101 if the Kickstarter proved successful and there's enough groundswell. We could have gotten a Last Story 2, we could have gotten a Pandora's Tower 2, and I guarantee they would have been like, okay, Xe, we'll, uh, we'll take that back now, thank you. Um, and what's kind of What's kind of interesting is the more I thought about this, the more I'm realizing Nintendo should just do this all the time with their second parties. Like, there are so many dead IPs that they just kind of let wilt away that technically other developers made, but they are just like, nah, we're just going to cling on to the rights. I mean, like, you know, Chibi-Robo was made by Skip. Custom, uh, oh, everything's Robo. Chibi-Robo was made by Skip. Custom Robo was made by Noise. Uh, There's those European-only releases like Disaster Day of Crisis, which was by Monolith Soft. Yeah, the same people as Xenoblade. Uh, going back to the GameCube, you got stuff like Doshin the Giant, which was by a company called Param. And, like, imagine if instead of letting them just die on the vine, so to speak, Nintendo actually let smaller publishers who had smaller sales expectations take a shot. Like, instead of Custom Robo's career having to go do this indie clone for Switch called, like, Synaptic Drive or something like that, maybe he could just gotten the custom robo ip found an audience with it and then kept the brand afloat for nintendo on a smaller scale and maybe got a groundswell and they could have brought it back as an official game at some point like i feel like i'm forgetting some games that fit this bill but there's a lot of second party games or games that nintendo just slapped their name on and published that i feel like have kind of just died and this could have saved them i mean i i are there any am, am i forgetting any there's a bunch of second party ones right mm. what's up in my head like, are there any that you really liked? That I'm not thinking of like Fatal Frame. That's another one. That was Tecmo but Nintendo had the I mean, it's one
2: of those the games Kobe that I know I was popular. But I mean, I never really got around to playing it,
0: so I can't really say if it was like, oh piano man, I wish they had three, helped no. out. Piano Three, I'd be okay. Piano Three, coming back. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that the Capcom Five, the yeah. legendary Capcom Five, which that I think was only became four. Yeah. yeah, which was the one that never came out. Phoenix, Dark Phoenix. No, that's an X Men movie is something phoenix rising phoenix rise i'm sure it, was like it, something it did give us yeah. beautiful joe resident evil 4 piano 3 and
2: i mean i don't know if it it's related year? or if it's more capcom or nintendo but like i would have liked it if at some point they had released a second ace attorney investigations even if it's just digitally like they did with ace attorney 5 and 6 right or the other great ace attorney games where they're prequels but we never got either of those See, yeah,
0: that that I think that's more in Capcom's wheelhouse, but it's the same deal of like what are you gonna say, Killer Seven, Killer Seven? <laughs> oh me. yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know my question would be a Capcom. Was, but dead like, Phoenix is the one that never dead came Phoenix. out. up, huh? You mean the one that that that's dead, never? Yeah, that's like that they died they, before. They, they died. It never rose. Yep, yeah. um, But yeah, it's just like if Nintendo is considering all, okay, well, you guys named a bunch of Capcom games, but if it was Nintendo games, they considered them dead brands. Just let them get Wonderful One Hundred One. I don't. It doesn't hurt anyone, the small fan bases will be happy, developers can see through their vision, and you know, maybe you'll make a little money along the way, or make a brand that gets bigger. It just seems like such a wasted opportunity. I mean frankly, I'd even be cool with Nintendo doing this with Brain Age at this point, because that still isn't announced in North America. Like, I know that's a real first party game, so it kind of flies against everything I was just saying, but like, where is it? Europe and Japan already got it for two months, and yet Nintendo's calendar with their financials that say, here's what's coming to North America, nowhere to be found. Completely missing meanwhile in like europe and japan the game just got their version of uh tetris 99's maximus cups it's actually something kind of cool it's called the brain training world championship which is not worldwide because it's not in america so that's a lie but um basically it's like these weekly challenges of different brain training you have like leaderboards and stuff and you kind of work your way up and you win stuff and like that would be cool it's actually really i think it's a really neat way to kind of augment the you know keep people engaged beyond the daily brain test brain age test which you might get tired after a while but they have new challenges with new things and there's actually a competitive angle i think for the first time in a brain age that would be that would be cool but who knows we're never gonna see it it's weird how nintendo kind of picks and chooses their ips and what to do like in the case of i guess to be fair in the case of brain age it might be a matter of noa wanting or like the right demographic here in the u.s like the North American Switch owner audience may need to catch up with the, the demographic they think makes sense. Because one point that was also in the financial Q and A is that uh, software like Ring Fit Adventure is reaching more female consumers than other titles, and the Switch Lite as a whole seems to be more popular with women than the regular Switch. And something like Brain Age, it feels like that slots into that sort of demographic better than just all oh, the gamers, all the gamers. So uh, like the, you know, the two complement each other uh, well, and like Ring Fit is isn't quite crazy Japanese sales levels here yet, although it's getting there, so they might just be weighing it out. But it, but again, it is getting there here in the States. Um, January's MPD charts were released on Friday, and, well, that's the day we're recording this, but by the time you hear it, Friday will be past tense. And, um, I mean, there's a lot of usual suspects on there. Switch is the top-selling hardware. Smash is number seven on the overall top ten. Mario Kart's number eight. But it was surprising. one surprise on the chart was to see that uh, Ring Fit Adventure creep back in at number nine which is the highest chart position it's ever had, and that was what three months after launch, something like that. So October, obviously November, December, now January, um, and obviously like New Year's resolutions to exercise and whatnot probably help. But still, like Bring Fitz back on the chart, like they're getting to that demographic, so maybe Brain Age Bring Age will Fitz show Pat up baby. at some point. Yeah, not like you ever really left, but it's actually it has legs. Bring Fitz still here. It has, <laughs> yeah, it has legs. But you know, the other surprise on the January chart, it knows how to use them. It sure does. Um, and to your tweet arms and every other body part but uh there's another weird thing on the january chart it's not really nintendo related but um dragon ball z kakarot was the number one selling game in january in the united states wow that, I, that having, be, that, i'm a thumbtip yeah i didn't i knew no, i something. knew hmm. dbz was having a renaissance but i didn't think it was like that big of a renaissance like what what happened that suddenly coming back in such a strong way i mean i know broly was riding that wave but like what is there? Do you guys know? Maybe that game Maybe. really did
2: make a resurgence.
0: Really? Is it just nineties nostalgia, in the same way that Pokemon had a, ride, a rise with uh, Go and then just stayed there for nostalgia purposes? Super or? definitely helped out you within think? the
2: recent, yeah. <coughs> especially because like Embroly was GT, really good too. Like the season before this one was GT, right? Because then that one like didn't sit well with a lot of fans. Yeah, but GT
1: was like back in two thousand. But it didn't really have anything since then, right? like Super was what like... do you mean like series wise I mean yeah. they had a couple of movies that lasted into oh, what, I think se- like Oh I think mean series wise because I know like they had the that oh, movie 2011? with Beerus that came out was Super already going on no that was that was what led to, that movie what was, Battle of Gods <clears throat> and then about like two years Resurrection F came out then they announced Super and like, then they said that the first two arcs were were pretty much going to come because oh, okay. the, the I feel
2: like even though like I know like the trailers and like the movies were getting like some hype like it was just like general hype that I heard about like even when not really following those communities yeah but it wasn't until like super came out that I started really hearing about Dragon Ball a lot and then all of a sudden yeah that Broly movie was like everyone like even people that didn't even know watch
0: Dragon Ball were like oh my god this movie was yeah it, like right it felt like it all came out of nowhere yeah, right? and and Fight, it, I
2: mean it also helped that fighters was like a legitimately really good fighting game that right, like right. I mean it pretty much like gave everyone a versus game that they've been really wanting since capcom gave them infinite yeah so a lot of things have really worked in like i mean it's back in evil this year which is crazy considering you know like mortal kombat 11 isn't there for some reason maybe they're doing their own event wait what uh, game? Well, yeah mortal kombat 11? yeah let's talk about that actually
0: fighters. what is going on why well, yeah, fighter, is fighters has been fighters isn't Evo, but mortal also, kombat 11 isn't why oh. is that Huh? How did Mortal Kombat 11 not make the cut oh, for EVO? I'm pretty
2: sure NetherRealms might be just doing their own event, probably. They're probably, like... Funny, because, like, Capcom does do their own event besides EVO. Like, they have the Capcom Cup. But um, maybe NetherRealms is trying to do their own, like, Mortal Kombat circuit or something.
0: But still, that's kind of surprising.
2: It is. Because
0: it's... it's, like... I mean, the list of games for EVO, like, the, the there's some on there that make obvious sense, and there's some that, I. Didn't expect to see, but uh, actually I was gonna say like, did like half of them on there were like I don't even know like what these are. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. But, but some of them except Like obviously Smash is on there, and that's the number yeah, one, Smash, number one Street most registered Fighter, game is Smash right now, which is always is. Yeah, these are all Japanese as so too. Yeah, and then it's Tekken Seven, Street Fighter Five Champion Edition, Dragon Ball Z Fighter or Dragon Ball Fire Z, Samurai Showdown, Grand Blue, Fancy Versus, Soul Calibur Six, and then one I've never heard of: Under Night, In Birth, EXE, Colon, Late. Bracket. CLR-R. dash And bracket. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the grammar. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's like a, a, an eclectic mix, shall we say. But it's so weird that Mortal Kombat's not on it. Yeah, but I
2: don't know. It's weird, but at the same time, I'm just kind of surprised that Marvel's Capcom 2 is there. I think that's like definitely a really big deal. Just because, like, I don't know. they. I mean, it's like an anniversary is coming up. I don't think it means that they're going to announce something. But, did
0: I even? Not, I didn't even say that one, did I? I somehow missed that one. But that's like that, so it's that's not on the but, list on the link. Yeah, I don't think it's on the main. It's it's funny. in the
1: main picture, but oh, the, the one that. But that's like, really but, that, but that's uh, like, okay. but
0: that's like the one that was
2: like, you know, that was the big head turner because it's like, whoa, it's like a really old game. Yeah, which I think is really cool. Like, I hope they bring back like these old legacy games that you know, like were the ones that. Like, you know, apparently I guess I'll bring up EVO. But, They're going to take right. us for a
1: ride, baby. <laughs>
2: but apparently, like, it's not going to be, like, a traditional tournament. Like, it's going to be an eight-man invitational. So, like, four people are going to be returning EVO champions of that game. And the other four oh, are going to be... And the other four spots are up for grabs at other special events, which is really cool. That means, like, the eight matches that we will see at EVO, or however many there are, mm-hmm. like, are just going to be, like, the highest level play tier. of that game, which is going to be crazy. Do
0: you think that capcom is going to use this as a way to reintroduce Marvel's Capcom 2 and re-release it and bring it to switch among other systems
2: that'd be cool. I hope they re-release that one in Marvel's Capcom 3 at the very least. I
0: suspect they will wait which, a year which and would, do the same thing with 3 at next evo if this proves successful and then which would
2: finally allow me to play as
1: Phoenix
0: Wright. Oh yeah, yeah. But that's, it's that's mm, that's I interest- don't know what?
1: about Marvel's Capcom 3 because it did recently get a we released, and... yeah. So, oh, so I mean, at that I think... point,
0: they might just bring it to Switch. I think Marvel's Capcom 3.
1: No, I I, I think that Marvel's Capcom 3 is is done for as far as being. I ported. Can't believe mm-hmm. it got
2: a PSP port and not a Switch. A, Switch. Well, I mean, would you, be cool, the Switch, would you think? be cool? But would you be cool with Vita? Vita? Yeah, You're right. Vita. Vita means
0: life. <laughs> would you be cool with uh two on Switch?
2: I mean, or are you more interested? It'd or? be more like that's cool, but I wouldn't care. You wouldn't buy it.
0: No. I
1: feel like that was the. I think
0: like that was the one.
1: No, but I feel like that was the general sentiment when 2 got re-released on the PS3. I mean, X2> I, X2> I had I just sort of shrugged at it. Everybody was like, oh, cool. And that was it. And then know They're, about it. Well, because <laughs> everyone that
2: cared about it still had it in some fashion. Like, they played right. on their Dreamcast or whatever. I mean, I got it just because it was a game that a lot of people talked about. And, I mean, it was fun enough. I mean, I liked playing as Jill. But a lot of the other characters I like, didn't really care about. And... Marvel Catacomb 3 was when it was like, oh, well, you could play as Ami from Okami, you could play as Phoenix Wright, you could play as Nemesis, and all these other cool characters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, Interesting. That's the one I would care about. Right. Marvel Calculum 2, no, nah, and then... But it Infinite make, it, it took should, away the characters that that were fun. So It
0: should at least make for good Evo content. Oh, 2
2: will definitely make for very good Evo content. Yeah. 3 would also make for at least good... I mean, at least for one tournament. I wouldn't want it to bring that game back because then it's just going to be Projectile Hells and all the mm-hmm. finals, which... Can't, isn't that exciting to see? But, yeah. Evil
0: will be. Also, again, it's like your... that
1: Marvel, that Marvel, uh, Mortal Kombat is on there because that's I one think. less game on the Switch that's represented.
0: Yeah, that's, it's kind of, because if you true. look I at the list, there aren't very many. Like, I mean, somehow the 3DS they, had Street they've, Fighter. They've and, got a third. Yeah, they have, uh, do they? Oh, yeah, yeah. Samurai Showdown, Grand no. Sm- Blue, Fighter, No.
1: Smash, Fighters, and Samurai Showdown. I'm pretty sure Grand
0: Blue was. Oh,
2: that's Blaze Blue. Blaze Blue, yeah.
1: Wait, Blaze Blue. Blaze Blue isn't on, on the Switch either. Yes, it is. There's
2: a ta-
1: the tag. Blaze Blue tag battle is on uh, the Switch. There's a Blaze
2: Blue There's a cross
0: with something else that's on Switch. Blaze Blue Switch is a cross tag battle. Oh, okay. And Grand Blue is not on the Switch. Both developed by Arc System Works. This is true. Also, uh, doing
1: well. They are. They're still working on hmm. uh, fighters. Yeah. There's oh, another yeah. Goku no. in the game.
2: The thing is I like, thought Smash Gokers Brothers feels game. like big That's enough that it almost kind of feels like it offsets the other ones. It just does. Cause, just because this Smash Brothers, like, kind of M- like also. how the consensus is not like it's starting to feel like you know less of a fighting game and more of like this just video game the game. It's it is. I mean, it is video yeah. games the game,
0: but it's still a fighting game. That's no, yeah. a weird. Are people oh, no. saying that?
2: Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't. You know, maybe. Not competitive people, but I just feel like it just seemed more like people are getting excited for someone to get in the game, but then, you know, it's
0: not like they uh, want to play the well, game. Well there hasn't really been much of a comp I mean, it's still doing I well. Like- they still do the quarterly uh online opens that then send people various tournaments. Genesis seven just happened. It was one of the big games there. I think it still has some attention. But I get what you're saying, that the the hype of who will be in the game does currently overshadow the competitive scene, but I imagine as the DLC winds down that will flip.
2: So I guess after next year, or Maybe. whatever. Or I
0: even... Think. But in the, but I mean, think about the audience difference. Cause like, I'm just saying that's a bad thing, though. I mean, I know, more but, eyes on the game, is always fine. But I'm just saying, like, think about the audience difference in the sense of, like, lots of gamers in a general sense are like, oh, who's the new character? Like, take me, for example. Oh, who's the new character in Smash? I'm very interested in that. Do I watch every competitive thing of e- of uh, Smash? No, not at all. I'll watch Evo, and I see the Nintendo ones that we go to in person around E3. That's it. Oh, no, like, I'm not, no, no. They're talking yeah. about,
2: like, whether you're going to, like follow competitively just like you probably you're probably excited about to see what character was going to get announced you saw right. that it was Fire Emblem person and then you played maybe the game
0: once just to see how they played and then right. that's pretty much you're done with the game who that by place. the way Sakura even was doing damage control on Byless. he has a column in from oh, yeah. and he was basically like listen Nintendo picks it I know there's a lot of swordsmen. I know there's a lot of Fire Emblem characters but Nintendo picks it and then I work with that but he yeah he was on the defense there a little. But, yeah, no, to your point, there are a lot of people that are just like, oh, yeah, new character, okay, done. Versus, like, getting into the deeper strategies. But that was true with all the Smashers. Like, think about how we played Smash in college, mainly in Brawl, and it was all just, like. No, yeah, we're well, thinking of the good play. thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. So just just observing. That
2: um, is trend- just that as a game where people, like, literally get into it just because a character got announced, and that's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah, it's very
0: unique in that regard, yeah. I think Marvel's Capcom is probably the closest to that. Because it's like, oh, my God, Doctor Doom or whoever, but. It did, I feel like it's it. like the
2: other way around where it's like yeah I'm just I, I picking a random who's that guy that's uh, true, true. <laughs>
0: especially on the Capcom side but on the Marvel side oh. Wolverine and all that oh no, well
2: well, that's, that's, that's the thing like that it's like it's literally the opposite of what you said because when Marvel's Capcom 3 first came out
0: not when I was it, a kid in the arcade
2: this was before um the MCU was out right so like when Rocket Raccoon like was announced it was like wait who's this dude well that's why I picked and Doctor then,
0: Doom and Wolverine and not Rocket Raccoon did you see
2: oh well,
3: um, I get your point.
2: I, I feel like I get your point. Yeah, there was definitely more hype around like, oh, the fact that we got like, I don't know, who was the new, yeah, like Okami in the game. Well, see,
0: that's what's interesting about both Smash Bros. Um, and Truss. What? He
1: called. Oh him. yeah, I don't know, uh, and
0: I, I did it correctly earlier in the episode. No, but that—that's what's so cool. I think about these crossover games is like different audiences can all resonate in a different way. Like to your point about the Smash characters, but like, like my the people I was with like in summer camp when we were playing an arcade machine that they had at wherever the summer camp was YMCA or whatever everyone freaked out about the Marvel characters and no one really knew the Capcom characters but you had a situation where everyone knew the Capcom characters but they didn't really like the Marvel ca- or they didn't know the details of like Rocky Raccoon and all that. So it's inter- so that's kind of the beauty of these sorts of games is it does it's a two-way street.
2: Yeah. To be fair though there was a lot of Capcom characters I didn't even know in NBC2. Like I was like where did they pull this person from? There was like Pirate Lady some Watermelon Dude some Monkey that has like a giant staff that grows really big.
0: That sounds inappropriate. Keep going.
2: Let's see. Captain Commando, I didn't really know who that was until you know after the game came. I had to look him up.
0: I am ashamed to admit that when I first saw Smash Bros. There were two Wolverines in that game.
2: One was literally Bone Claw Wolverine oh, yeah. and that Amantium oh, Claw yeah, Wolverine. Yeah.
0: I'm ashamed to admit on that note, when I first saw the very first Smash Bros. screenshots and stuff in Nintendo Power, wasn't entirely sure who Samus was. 'Cause I just never had exposure to Metroid as a kid for one reason or another. I then got varied to Metroid and had Prime and Prime Two and Fusion and all that. But like there were I was like, Who's this orange dude? And then I learned it was not a dude. And then I learned its name was Samus. Her name was Samus.
2: Yeah, I remember yeah. a lot of the talk around like the elementary school was like, Oh man, look at this character. You press pause, it's like a female figure when she gets electrified.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it uh yeah, like I I I haven't really revealed that before, that I didn't know what Metroid was until Smash Bros. came out. Or a shame. I know, I was 10 when I learned what Metroid was. Make me 1999. <clears throat> anyway, my confessions aside, and all that aside, what I was getting at with Ring Fit and Brain Age and all that, basically verbatim what I said before, but just to kind of bring it back in, is it's interesting how Nintendo picks and chooses which IPs they care about. And perhaps the best example of that is also example number two of how scrambled and weird the news has been lately, and that is the next wave of NES and Super Nintendo games coming to Switch Online subscribers on Wednesday. This oh, man, Monday, these Wednesday, are these the big. 19th, I feel it. I feel February it. 19th. Give me, give me the titles of these games. All right, games. you ready? Here give we them. go. Here we go. DK, one, two. All right? All right. And Donkey Kong no, in there, right? No, no. 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 All right, you guys ready? No. You guys ready? And I will give you descriptors if you don't recognize these names, right. but they're okay. so big, I'm sure you'll know them. Of course. First up, Poppin' Twinbee. A jam. Second one, Smash Tennis. Dude, oh, like I Smash Brothers I Tennis. I didn't dude. know that they made a off of Super Smash. <laughs> <laughs> number they number g- three, Shadow. Okay, those are, the, um, those are the Super Detail games. Now we're on to right. the NES games, which okay. is, you know, creme de, creme de la Creme. These are right. the, when you think NES, you know, you have that yeah. image in your head of what these mm-hmm. games are, right? Shadow of the Ninja. Yep, crystallizing in my head right now. Yep. How about this one? Anyone remember this, this gem? Eliminator Boat Duel. Who can forget? <laughs> Dude, like, so people end up
2: around the corner.
0: So, yeah, because, I mean, how often do you get to duel in boats and eliminate one another? You should probably mute your computer as all these alerts come in on your multiple devices that you're supposed to mute before we start recording. You
2: know, funny, they were muted, but I unmuted them. Why would you do that too? Wow,
0: you really live life on the edge. Yeah. Yeah. Some people do drugs, some people skydive. He just unmutes his devices halfway through a podcast. But, uh, yeah, those are the four big games. Like I said, Nintendo's weird about picking IPs. So let's actually explain what these are, because I don't think anyone knows. what
2: me know to be for looks, looks like, actually pretty legit. Yeah, it actually looks like a fun that game. Looks fun. I would, I would play that game. I will play that game because I, I guess part I, of the Yeah, it's part of this. But no, that one actually is cool. In That's our next I would time s- or Jason licks three cartridges at once. Wait, what? What's next time? Are I lick three cartridges? Um Eliminator Bolt Duel Challenge and if you okay. lose Oh ho no not about
0: skill just if we uh, Hey sure. I've never played the Okay, uniform. will you lick a cartridge again if if I win? Sure. Let's shake on it. We'll make it a, Kevin, a you're our witness. Yeah, we'll do will with Kevin as a witness. Done. Kevin, do you want in on this? Do we want nope, three way cartridge lick? Nope. No? Oh come on, you, you want a three way nope.
1: cartridge lick? I am good. I've I've already done that on my own time. <laughs> <laughs> that we've was only, enough for me we've to be only like, done that's a bad idea. We've
0: only done it on the podcast. I I have a lot of questions about why you on your own time did, but we could say that for hey, later. I man. guess, but anyway, yeah. So, lunar boat duel <laughs> I remember he does, didn't even hear about like the. Oh, he, the did, he, just he didn't. Like, no, he didn't know. I wonder. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, they look delectable. Like <laughs> they do look like little wheat thins that are a different color. But um, yeah. So, lunar boat duel is probably the most interesting of the bunch. It's kind of like a mix of it looks like a mix of like outrun and F Zero, and that like it's kind of a behind the back or behind the boat angle where you are racing into the screen. Graphically, it looks more advanced. It's like from the NES, but it looks like it could be early, like Super Nintendo or Genesis or something. So that's kind of cool. But, and it has a boat upgrade system. So like, you're not just racing, you're also improving as you go. But yeah, that's probably the most interesting. Um, The other one, Shadow of the Ninja, this was Natsume's crack at Ninja Gaiden. And it was so similar to Ninja Gaiden that when it was released here in the States as a Game Boy port later on, it literally was called Ninja Gaiden. They had the subtitle Shadow, but they turned fake Ninja Gaiden into actual Ninja Gaiden, which is very strange. Uh, then Smash Tennis is a tennis game for the Super Nintendo by, by Namco. So there's that. And then Twin Twinbee, this is the sixth entry in Konami's kind of like uh, cutesy top-down shump shooter games. Uh, I had no idea it had more than two entries. Apparently it six. What's interesting here, actually, is, uh, to be fair, Nintendo... Smash Tennis and Pop and TwinBee have full English translations because they're released in Europe, but apparently never made it stateside before. So these are actually debuts of new new quote unquote games for us Switch online owners, which is kinda cool. Like from a gaming history perspective, I do appreciate the fact Nintendo's trying to give us some truly new stuff instead of re release number seven of a game we already have access to. Like, Angel, to your point about, like, no one bought... And to your point, too, Kevin, about how no one bought, like, uh, Marvel's Capcom 3 because they already had it on other systems. Like, it is kind of nice that Nintendo's not just doing that and tripling down and actually giving us something new. I also do appreciate that they're focusing on multiplayer, on a system that's made for multiplayer. Like, you know, Eliminator, Boat Duel. I don't know why it exists, but it's cool that, like, there's three out of four games, or two out of four games, so half the games are multiplayer-centric, which is kind of nice. However... What are what what are these games? Like why who these aren't the games people expected. It's not what people ask for. And when they release them so like infrequently without a counterbalance of what people want, it's not really a good look for the service. Like I imagine, Angel, you saw this list and no Donkey Kong and this room was probably torn apart, wasn't it?
2: No. (laughs) I mean, it's it's literally whatever I mean, they'll release it when they release it, if they ever do. I mean they're not obligated to. I have ways to
0: play it. It just is what it is. So, so you're interested in Eliminator Boat Duel. Anything else catch your eye?
2: Um, unfortunately, no. Like Twin B looks like something I'll try once and just be like, okay. And yeah, I'll probably play. I'm actually more interested in playing um Smash Tennis with my friend Nigel in Texas. Just cause, actually a, a, any any game that just has online that just has multiplayer is now online. Will be an automatic. Yeah, yeah. It will be an automatic. An automatical, An automatic. You know.
0: Right. What about you, yeah. Kevin? Anything jump out? No, nope, not at all see nintendo needs to get your attention what, what i actually find the most uh, like ironic here is like from the ip perspective this is exactly the thing i was saying i wanted them to do with their second party games like find ways to release these tiny games and see if they find an audience like i don't expect eliminator boat duel to suddenly become a smash hit because it's in the, the super nintendo switch online library and then like get a sequel but you know it it It's cool they're doing it. So Miyamoto was saying in that investor briefing Q&A that um, this is actually kind of weird. He decided to cave and let them make video content around Mario, as in make a Mario movie and not just Mario games, because he saw the success of Mario on the virtual console. He was basically saying that as they keep moving legacy content forward, he saw opportunities in which the same character can be used in different ways. Like if it's not just a flashy new release, it could be an old release for nostalgia, like on the Wii Shop channel back on the Wii. Or it could be a movie, or it could be like that idea that um you know there's there's life in these old things there's life in different approaches than just here's the hot new release starring Mario. So to me at least the fact that Nintendo's offering a channel for these kind of lesser games to get out there, even in the face of their own best interests in which they should just keep pumping out Mario's and Donkey Kong countries and whatever. Yeah, it's mean, the right mindset, but maybe they need to augment it with some big games too. It's been a while. I mean honestly I don't
2: know. Hmm I mean, if I were to get a Switch... If I didn't have a Switch right now... I don't know, they're... You do get,
0: like, 55, 60 games.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, like, if I, like, if me personally, mm, like, mm-hmm. for some reason decided to wait on the Switch... Yeah. Like, I would still look at that list of those 50, 60 games and be like, oh, there's, like, nothing for me
0: there. Right. I Because mean, there's no Donkey Kong.
2: No, even then, because, like, like oh, most of those games I've already had on another console at some point. I mean, it... I love how, I love
0: the logic of, I need Donkey Kong on this system, but... All the other games I own on other systems, I don't need them on this system.
2: No, even then, like... Yeah. Like, even if Donkey Kong was it wouldn't there, convince I w- you. Well, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't buy just for that. Right, that makes sense. Like, I don't know. It, it just sucks being, I guess, a committed Nintendo fan for this long, because... History the dri- the, the, the drip, Yeah, and because it's always repeating itself, and because it's always a drip feed, it just makes it less and less exciting and maybe more frustrating. Yeah. But, I, I mean, mean bit, bit- but by now, like... I feel like it was like Peak frustration When it was like Around the Wii U days Because like the Wii Took its time mm-hmm. But it was also The first time we were getting this So it was still kind of like oh, what's coming this week mm-hmm. Then when they did it again On the Wii It was like really And then the 3DS was like Oh you're starting over again here And you are re-releasing stuff Like what the heck are you doing Yeah And then by the time The Switch came around It was like It was already jaded Especially No there was a sliver of hope When they announced like Oh the NES app, How many are they going to release at once Are 20 like, oh, it was 20? I'm like, all right. And then, are they going to do this often? And they it, it kind of were, but then they just went back to normal, and then it's just like, eh, like, I don't yeah. care anymore. Like, I think basically what Nintendo needs they to could do... Get, yeah, they, I don't even know. Here's like, what I want Nintendo They could to have be. like 40 games back to that, and maybe even Donkey Kong, and I probably wouldn't
0: even care anymore. It's just, yeah, because yeah. you played them all, or yeah. a lot of them. I think what Nintendo needs to do is the Switch Online game strategy for their second-party releases and their main game release strategy for their Switch Online releases. In other words, they need to run in tandem and they need big games with little games and little games with big games and they can't just be like, oh, only the little games on one service and only the big games in the retail channel. And if they find that right balance, everybody wins and it's great and everyone's happy and you won't get frustrated and I won't be like, oh, these little games live on and everyone is playing what they want to play. Will that ever happen? Of course not. I want everyone to win, but of course they won't win. And mm-hmm. you know where else people aren't winning? Get ready for this transition. You know where else folks aren't winning? E three twenty twenty. What a what a mess that has become. And again, it's one of those things that just feels like so wrong in the news cycle, this episode, because like it's been such a big consistent force in gaming for so many years and now it's just kinda like not, I guess. So like it all started with Sony pulling out of the show yeah. again. Um, and now, and that was a few months ago and we didn't really cover it at the time. And now, what did you gonna say? Wait, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? I didn't say anything. What did you say? Did you say psych? No, he, <laughs> he,
1: did, he, did, he literally did not say anything. No, he said something. I no, he, he literally did not, I swear. Okay. Well, I like You, you
0: can listen back. Yeah, I, right. A minute and
1: six. All right. Well, anyway. <laughs> like a minute and five. Yeah. Well,
0: anyway, so Sony pulled out first. <laughs> and, oh, I see where you guys are going this. And now, guys, we're a family-friendly podcast. Yeah anyway so sony left the convention first and now <laughs> jeff keighley who's been there god oh man we need like a reset but no now jeff keighley who's been in the show every year since it started as a either as a attendee or eventually as a producer of the coliseum panel series has also left the convention um and it's sad because like well one i like the coliseum that he did like some of it felt a little too marketing heavy like it was like a you know the marketing guy interviewing the game developer from the same company or something. But like some of them are really cool. Like there's one with Will Wright where he's talking about how like AI is going to change the world, and it was actually really interesting and also kind of creepy because he was like, "Yeah, you like do these surveys, and then our games will like cater themselves <laughs> to how you think and how bless you. you." Bless <laughs> you. In tight. Bless you. Well, <laughs> but yeah, <I'm> uh... <laughs> I, think I think I'm
2: done. I think I'm done. But
0: anyway, um, yeah, God, and he was like talking about how... you so much. <laughs> he was talking about like that was four to five. It is Eyes 4 or 5, you're right. Uh, I guess you would know. It is your sneeze. But, um, sneezes. sneeze is. But yeah, he's talking about, like, all this crazy AI stuff and how, like, games will be personalized experiences based off what they learn about you through random surveys and what you do on your phone, which is creepy. But, like, it's crazy to be able to sit there and watch Will Wright talk about that. Which one is Will Wright? SimCity and The Sims. Oh, I was thinking Explore. Peter Molyneux. Oh no, no Molyneux. That would be. I'd be like, okay, sure. And how's my logo? That like, sounds like
1: something that Peter Molyneux yeah, no, would but say. But Will Wright like, has a whole
0: new startup <clears throat> where he's like building this tech. It's really kind of crazy. Um, I think it got delayed. It's supposed to be out last year, but you know the costume at that. It had like Elon Musk, which was an experience. Uh, it, had it was Elon Musk and uh, and Todd Howard. Todd Howard, yeah, together. And then it had like like had some really, and just some kind of fun ones like they had Grant Kirkhope who does the music for Banjo Kazooie and Donkey Kong and now Ukulele, and he was on stage talking about Mario Rabbids and then like had a kazoo and just started like doing the tunes he composed and stuff and like like all that stuff. Costumes cool for that. So it kind of in a way sucks that Keeley's not producing that anymore because he made that happen. Uh, he says he's not doing it due to uh, actually I'll just read what he told uh, Game Industry Up is. Given what has been publicly communicated about plans for E3 2020, I just don't feel comfortable participating in the show at this time. Someone on Twitter asked him to elaborate, and he's uh, like, what, what What? does he not feel comfortable about? And He said, a ton of factors. I just don't really feel comfortable participating given what I know about the show as of today. <laughs> like, there's a ton of reasons behind why he decided. So, something's up. Hmm. It's a bummer. I wonder what it is. I don't know. But it's, it's a bummer because... Um, like, at least for me, and I'm curious what your guys' experiences were with E3, like, growing up, but at least for me, E3 was, like, I had this weird affinity, like, personal affinity for it, where, like, especially because I was living in Montana, so I was so far removed from the game industry to just have this goal of, like, there's this video game mecca in L.A. three days a year where everyone's there, everyone in gaming's there, you're getting all the cool stuff, you're seeing all the big glitzy booths, like, everything you could care about about video games is in this one spot for three days and i just like i like i, I really wanted to go like i was so it was such a cool thing there. i read i want to go to there i read every pre i subscribed to game pro egm and nintendo power read every preview i remember one of the first e3s when i learned oh this is what e3 is i just sat there and read the entire nintendo power cover to cover in one sitting because i was just so like oh my god uh i used to watch like before g4 was a thing they were tech tv and i would watch every bit of coverage they would do all the specials like i'm talking every minute when spike started doing it i'd watch the press conferences on tv i remember distinctly like where i was when like breath of the wild or not breath of the wild where twilight princess the the 2004 reveal of zelda you know where people cried where they ended my name is reggie i'm about kicking ass press conference that one i distinctly remember like oh, I'm in this math class, how do I get this math class and watch this, and then walking in the computer lab and having my mind blown by that. Like, there's so many things that it's just like, oh, E3 is this destination, it's this, like, this gaming Christmas, and it's weird. I mean, I guess the industry just changes, but it's weird that whatever it is, it's not that anymore. There is not a single soul gaming, like, HQ where everyone comes together in, like, a Super Bowl sort of way. Debatable. Gamescom is still, but that one doesn't have like the news cycle of this one. Everything's more diversified. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Yeah, I mean, I mean, just the fact that not even like everyone's there, but just the fact that like here's Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, all within 24 hours of each other, basically doing a press. Like everyone's literally like, all right, this is our moment. We're all in this together. Go, go, go. Like that is, and it's not dead yet, but it's going down the road where it's not going to be that anymore. It's already been going down that road, and it's just
1: weird. Which is weird because E3 was initially designed to. Get the attention of the retailers. Yeah, and the plan that they're going with of now, like using influencers to
0: yeah, let's let's actually talk about that. So, um, well, for and then I guess I'll ask you guys what E three meant to you guys. But um, so E three now, from a Nintendo fans perspective, actually isn't much different. It seems like it's going to be the same. Nintendo's already reconfirmed they'll be there about a month or so ago. Specifically, Doug Bowser of N O A said, "Yep, we're there." Uh, And the exhibitor list, you know, Xbox is there, third parties are there, like Ubisoft, Take-Two, Sega, Capcom, Bethesda, Bandai Namco, Square Enix, WB. So they're all there. But yes, to your point, Kevin, it sounds like the show is morphing into something else. Um, There's this leaked slide deck, internal slide deck for the ESA. They're the organization that lobbies for video games here in the States and puts on E3. And they're calling it now more of a fan festival celebrating games and a proper game industry convention. And the plan is to lean heavily on like, attractions and experiences and less so on just like the companies being there to uh, sell their wares or peddle their wares or get media attention or get retailers to buy in because that's all done off-site anyway these days. So what they're doing, like um, they're, they're going to turn West Hall, which is the hall that Nintendo has been in as long as they've been going to E3. West, well, West Hall was interesting because West Hall, originally how they divided E3, I'm getting real deep on this, but originally how they divided E3 was... West Hall was all the first party companies and then South Hall which is the bigger hall had all the third parties so you go basically to the hardware makers and then to the software makers and then slowly like Microsoft jumped to the third party hall because they wanted to show how strong their third party relationship was so it was just the Nintendo-Sony hall for a while but Nintendo has always been in West Hall and what they're thinking of doing now according to this is they're going to create what they call experience hubs and there will be eight of these Uh, and it sounds like there're gonna be stages that will both have shows for people to go watch and give people something to do while they're standing in line at booths. So they could watch it while in line or they could go up and watch it up close. And on some level that actually isn't a bad idea. They're calling it cutainment line, like standing in queue. Hmm. Uh and and you know, standing in queue and watching some sort of entertainment. So that doesn't sound that horrible. It as they put in their in their pitch deck, it enables marketing to attendees in line. So there's a business side to it. But the thing that I'm kind of like, oh, I don't know is what the shows are going to be. So, apparently, a big part of the rework uh, is that they're going to be inviting celebrities and influencers to, which is what you were saying, Kevin, to kind of host these. And the example they gave was what if guys, the Los Angeles Lakers, were sitting on one of those stages playing a basketball game? Not in real life, in NBA 2K. Wouldn't that be fun to watch? It's like, I mean, sure, there's some yeah. celebrity appeal of that, absolutely. But, like,. The focus isn't so much going to be on the games. It's going to be on, like, what famous person can they get to play the game. And, of course, that's going to mean YouTubers. And, of course, that's going to mean Twitch streamers. And it's just going to shift from being an industry event to, like a, like, a VidCon for video game celebrities, I feel like. And that's a little concerning.
1: So what I'm more most curious about this is exactly the – assuming they, they do go this route, mm-hmm. is the quality of it. Because, yeah, when was it? I think it was like four E3s ago. e for all No, not, not e for all Uh, they put out that terrible, terrible E3 Live across the street
0: three years ago or two years three, ago. Year, three yeah, years they, ago. Yeah. The only and, cool thing. And
1: this sounds like, like that. that just on a bigger scale.
0: Yeah. So, the interesting thing about E3 Live, so for those who need the history lesson out there, essentially they had E3, which is industry only, and then across the street from the convention center is L.E. Live. Like, if, uh, if people don't know LA Live, it's where they do the red carpet for the Grammys and stuff. And uh, most recently, if you've seen any photos or videos of the Kobe memorials in LA, that's the spot. And um, yeah, they took that over, put up some tents, and had weird like content. The one kind of cool thing, although it was super absurd and actually isn't cool in terms of like you're not—that's why I'm, not why you're there—is uh, Doritos. I don't know if you remember this. They had they took over the street in between the conven- uh, Staples Center Chickers and street. yeah, street, uh and made a crazy Dorito installation and then had a two and a half story tall arcade machine. And was then that every the same night year? It might have been the it, second. It was... Yeah. No. It was the first or second year of it because they tried it for two years. Okay. But this was before they opened uh, badges up properly to the public. Right. But they built this two and a half story arcade and that arcade machine also was a stage and they had live music every night. They had right, Steve Aoki, that. they had yeah. Empire of the Sun. They had like actual big names and Excluding the fact that it has nothing to do with video games. It was really weird and why Doritos. It was kind of cool. And it was – like I went to – I got to get into the Steve Aoki one. And like they gave us free Doritos, like endless bags. And Pepsi because, you know, PepsiCo. What did uh? uh but it wasn't Jeff really...
1: tweet out? He was like the the, the the Vatican is being built or something like that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah Dorito Pope tweeted out how the Vatican is being built, yeah. Um, but – yeah, so, like, something like that sounds like it could be what this becomes, which I don't know if I want the show floor replaced with that. That was cool because it augmented it. It was separate. It was a branded activation, if you want to use the marketing term. But um, it was cool, like, because it was not replacing. It was enhancing.
1: That second year uh, yeah. was cool. That first, the first year, year was, was a mess.
0: Yeah. Oh, jeez. I still have Yeah, and, and it's, it's weird because they're, like, what was the – I actually never went to it because I was inside for there one was, day there on was, someone else's name on my badge.
1: <laughs> like, from what I remember, oh, I got there. Really early. Yeah. uh, There was like an Oculus tent. It was mainly, you know, the developer I remember seeing the most there was uh, Traverse Sales.
0: That's super random. So, was it just Lego games everywhere?
1: So, it was like, I think it was Warner Brothers, honestly, that was there that had the biggest presence there. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And like, I remember looking at this and I was the first one in line and like within five minutes, I was like, Nope, I'm going home. And I think that was the same day that you told me, like, hey, you want to oh, yeah, come to
0: E3? I think that I, was the same day. Yeah, because I so had, it didn't turn I out had too, ways to get you in. Yeah, yeah, it didn't
1: turn out too terrible. but
0: Yeah. The, the one, like, upside of this new system is part of the pitch in the deck was uh, to create a fast pass-like system like Disneyland uses. So you can actually schedule appointments across any booth, and then you're free to walk around and watch the shows and go check things out. Well, I, I, Nintendo does that already with the Warp Pipe Pass. Yeah, it's and be then the whole convention,
1: and then uh, and Sony does it. Too. Sony did it too. Yeah, that's how. I... Yeah, it's going to become that's
0: yeah, which were great. Like, because I wouldn't stay online for it at PlayStation because that's not my cup of tea. But I definitely appreciated that I was able to go try Tetris Effect without any real hassle. Yeah. Um. So they do stuff like that maybe, but the the weirdest part of this is so that deck I just described. Um, we'll link to it in the blog post for anyone who wants to see it from last fall. Uh, they haven't confirmed anything from it. The, yeah, the so. weird thing is the badges are on sale this weekend, and the ESA, literally all they're saying is expect some fun slurry appearances. Uh, one day of E3 is industry only now, and then two days are for the public, which means the prices are only 165 for a, a gamer badges here instead of the old $250. And uh, the theme is everyone can play, so come on down. That's all they've said. we don't know anything yeah please we're begging you they don't know they haven't indicated anything about any other part of their plan and the fact that um, the two day public one day industry and the fact that uh, the celebrity appearances are confirmed in the press release and match the deck implies that everything's true but we don't know so they're asking people to buy something without actually explaining like you know how heavily will it be leaning on celebrities and influencers versus you know the games themselves and the people who make them and that's what's like kind of weird about it. Like, I think... I don't know if that's the... Do you feel that's the right route for them to go? I feel like it's not. I don't think no, anyone... It definitely sounds like it's exciting. Right? But Like, I think... it was interesting because Jeff Keighley was asked about, like, well, what would he do with E3 now that he's not involved? And he was saying that he thinks it should be more digital and global and inclusive. And basically, he wants a digital E3. Um, which, it's basically what he... Did with the Game Festival that tied into the Game Awards where he just had a bunch of demos on Steam. It sounds like he wants that. I honestly agree the with you. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've, I've... Like I think, I will say the Game Festival is a very cool concept. But it, yeah, I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like maybe if he did that in tandem with like, I don't know, like some sort of physical event where it's like there's a, like a base for it and then stuff that goes around it, like how the Game Awards has like the Game Awards, but then the Game Festival sort of circulates it. Or maybe he just does, like, his own E3. Just, like, G3. I don't know. Jeff's gaming mm-hmm. grandstand. Wow, just gaming that, Galooza. The Game Awards? Jeff I don't gaming... Know. I mean, he already was producing E3. But, I mean, what would you what would you want it to be? It mm. sounds like you've given us a little thought.
1: No, not, not necessarily. Uh, I think we're... Especially because I listen to a lot of video game podcasts, what a lot of industry folks have always had an issue with. Especially these uh, last couple of years that it's been open to the public, was just... The public. How, the public, right?
0: Yep. I can relate. Yep.
1: And so it's it's cool that yeah, they're making one day available just to press. Yeah. But at the same time, if it's not gonna be what it what E three has been, what's even the point of having a, a
0: press day only?
1: Yeah. And I think I think You're gonna like, have access to some, some developers, sure,
0: but like they're not all gonna be there. That's what that's what I'm saying. It's there. not gaming Christmas. Like I think the, the biggest priority to me is they have to capture the spirit of video game Christmas. Like If they could somehow convince all these companies, even if they're doing their own events, which they are, if they could convince them to just do them in the same week and just make it like – because all the – like us gamers like, oh, we watch a Nintendo Direct whenever it airs. We watch – what's Sony's one called now? PlayStation? State of Play. State of Play. play Those are terrible. I know. Or inside Xbox. Or whatever it is. Like we will, as fans, watch those when they air. But if you're like CNN and you need to like do a wrap like what's big in gaming this year, there is no like central – you need a central thing. Um and I don't know what that is, but I would love if they somehow still had like, okay, it's games week or something and you know, maybe there's not a show floor. I think there should be. I love attending events. Yeah. But maybe absolutely. they can't justify it. Maybe uh or maybe, you know, they the companies are still a little skittish about being back to back to back. So maybe they do one every two days for a week straight or something. So they each get a little breathing room. I don't know. I haven't but been I to... want them all in one place. <laughs> I
1: haven't been to them, but what E three the sentiment around the industry is that E3 has to turn to PAX.
0: But that's the thing: how do they do that when PAX is already PAX?
1: That's well, PAX doesn't have the same grandeur of yeah. E3.
0: Yeah, PAX is usually like a little bit more indie focused. That's true. You know what's you know lot interesting? Not in downtown LA. That's mm-hmm. also true. You know what's interesting about PAX and E3 is like PAX kind of ate E3's lunch a little. Like they sort of, like they they are doing what e3 was should have due. been due. yeah exactly like, e3's just lagging on and now E what's happening with e3 is it's very similar to me to what's happened with ces where ces used to be the hotbed every tech company would be there every tech company do a keynote and now there's still tech news and there's still gonna be video game news at e3 but it's like it's more like these like odd curiosities and weird like interesting activations and then not much else and all the other big companies do their own thing so yeah i guess and you know honestly Nintendo started this. Nintendo was the one that really started this because they announced that they're going to drop their press conference, they're going to do a direct, um, and yet they still go to the show and have these very specific but interesting activations for some of their games. It's not just a demo of all their games. It's not just their lineup. It's like, we are focusing on Zelda this year or Mario this year, or we're going to focus on Luigi, Pokemon, and Link. It's Awakening. And each one, we're going to make this crazy thing where you're like, in the game, it's going to be really cool, but that's it. And that's basically what they do at every convention, Comic-Con, PAX, whatever, Comic-Con New York, except this is just a bigger, grander scale of it, and they bring in some of their executives. So, like, maybe that's the direction it goes in. Like, not every company's got to show everything. Every company still might have their own separate things, but they'll still, like, you know, throw together a little digital presentation and highlight a few of the gamery or games, and then if E3 itself can turn into PAX in terms of, like, gang industry folk to do panels and stuff, kind of what Cosine was trying to do. Maybe, maybe that's the secret sauce. I, I don't know, but it. I mean, it, it doesn't help that E. 3 had other issues too. I mean, they had the data leak last year. Which, oh, yeah. yeah, the, the which. Uh, if you guys want to find out about me, I'm in the leak. <laughs> so Are you? I am. Yeah, I was press. Yeah. Um, I view it. This is going to sound super cynical, but due to the scale and size of our podcast, and saying this on air, I'm going to get i shouldn't do this i'm gonna i'm getting myself roasted here but i feel like for us it was almost promotion that we exist versus any sort of actual negative <laughs> it legitimized us it, legitimized us. Sure. it was I, like i looked it up and i wasn't like oh no we're gonna get hounded i was like oh neat but that's not from the podcast was it no yeah the podcast
1: oh i thought that was from no uh, no
0: last year was the first year we got in as the podcast oh yeah crazy. yeah so and, and one of us yeah yeah one of us but he uh, the podcast because of the size of it we, well we applied separately and because we're small they only let one of us mm, that's we but what else would it be <laughs> I don't know we they... had the same submission process and same info arbitrary maybe we'll, we'll see <laughs> this I'm gonna guy's apply. white we'll let him I'm to gonna... <laughs> apply again for this year so we'll see but that's what um... I would like to think happened yeah. But yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's what happened. But yeah, I mean, why has E3 been to you guys? Because like, I mean, now we kind of talk about. Like for me, it was really like I. I swear it was like the biggest week of my year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, especially when we got four every oh, every yeah. year. Oh man, the 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 E3 coverage was like. Yeah. I remember, my I used to work at a supermarket oh. during. Oh, when, the first year that I actually had a job, I was bummed out that I wasn't going to be seeing all the, all the coverage, and I missed the. I was working during uh, one of the PlayStation conferences. Mm-hmm. I remember my buddy Matthew, who we we talk about a lot on the show. Uh, like on my on my fifteen minute break, I went across. He lives across the street from the supermarket. I remember him telling me, "You have to, you absolutely have to come." Yeah. And that was the year where they finally uh, re-revealed versus thirteen, which turned into Final Fantasy fifteen. Yeah, I was like, "Whoa!" And like immediately, they finally finally uh revealed Kingdom Hearts 3 yeah and like man and that all happened during E3 yeah
0: or like it's like even I remember or sorry I think I cut you off you best say something?
1: no I was just saying like even even the how I said earlier that E3 was made for like Joe Schmoe from Best Buy saying like right. I want 50,000 copies of that in our yeah. store as well obviously more than that but
0: Nope, only 50000 <laughs> I <laughs> mean, if the, if, if the new Samsung flip phone, the Z Flip, can launch with 900 units in Korea, and that's it, 50000 for a game is yeah. crazy. <laughs> but,
1: um... I wouldn't say it's in, it wasn't necessarily Christmas, but it was definitely, yeah, the biggest... Yeah, the biggest the week, biggest the Super week Bowl, of the Super Bowl, of yeah for, for us.
2: Yeah, yeah and I, I definitely look forward to just connecting like the computer to the TV or whatever it was, and just like you know sitting around with friends and watching it or alone or whatever. It the, was it was it was an event.
0: In college, we did that. We, Super Bowl is definitely a good. Yeah, we a good comparison. watched the Nintendo press conferences in college as a group a couple years. Actually, one year is what led to this podcast because we watched the presentation together as our senior year, so 2011, the year it's, we started this, and our friend, who we already named dropped Nigel, down in Texas, uh, he... We were talking about everything that was discussed in the press conference. That was the year the Wii U was revealed, and we were so confused about the reveal, because, like, we're like, wait, we know it's a new system, but it looks like an accessory. And we had, like... Endless, we talked about it for, like, a couple hours, I feel like, and Nigel, at some point, was just like, you guys should just, like, put mics in front of your faces. Like, just do a podcast already. And then, sure enough, six months later. And now eight years later. So, yeah, E3 is what birthed this podcast, in a way. Yeah. Yeah, weird, but yeah, I I I hope something good happens with E three. We'll see what happens this year. We're still gonna cover it. I'll be there. I don't know if anyone else is planning to go, but we'll we'll make it happen. That at least one of us will be there with impressions. I never plan to.
2: If I just happen to be great. Right. If not, then whatever. Because unfortunately, yeah. while it used to be this magical time of year, I could care less about it now.
0: Right. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's just it's waning. The only thing which is so The, sad. the only
2: thing I'm like I only look forward to is just. If there is a Smash Direct, there will be... I mean, yeah, if there will be a Smash character reveal, yeah. or... I guess I do pay attention to Sony's, but... You and know, you know
0: what? That's, that's something else that's cool about IT3. Only because,
2: right. like... I don't know, for Sony, they still, like... I
1: don't... I mean, while well, you they, own they, a PlayStation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: so. No, no, I was going to say more like... um. With Nintendo, like... There are things you already expect. I mean... And it usually you do get what you expect. It's just like, oh, I'm waiting for them to announce this new franchise or whatever. Yeah. But I don't know. it's only, like usually, I guess because like I didn't have as much of a history with PlayStation, with the PlayStation brand, I'm more excited to say, like, oh, I Even wonder more what. More surprises. Yeah. This is more surprise. I want like, oh, I wonder what new IP is going to get announced. At. And right. I'm sure Nintendo could announce a new IP too, but I'm less excited about new IPs for Nintendo than I am for other consoles.
0: Which is funny, but I get it.
2: Yeah, because I mean, because with Nintendo, I know what I like and whatever. But with like something new, it's like you know. I don't know. For some reason, it's more exciting. I guess I don't know. Yeah. No. Uncharted. It, more uncharted territory. Ah, more that's,
0: uncharted territory. That's a PlayStation franchise. But no, what I was gonna say um, is that's the thing about A3 that I really liked. Is it wasn't even like I was geeking about geeking out about Nintendo. I used to like watching the interviews that Jeff Keighley or whoever would do with like the heads of Xbox and PlayStation. I used to like. I went to Microsoft's press conference last year. I mean, it was on your ticket, Angel, but I went because I was like, ooh, I just like the industry. I just like seeing all the commotion and like learning what's going on and seeing all the cool stuff people are making and being part of all that. So, like, like the year that Sony did um, Shenmue 3 and The Last Guardian and Final Fantasy. And Final Fantasy. Yeah. I, I even that was, was like, what is happening? And I don't have any invested interest in any of those games. <laughs> but it's like, this is insane because like, I can appreciate it on like, the, the gaming culture world level and it's sad that that's kind of gone but anyway we'll see what happens with E3 it's still you know it's still brewing this whole thing but it is a bummer that Jeff Keighley who is the public face of gaming basically like the Washington Post covered that he wasn't going to E3 like he's a big face in gaming and it's kind of a bummer that he's out which means something's up what it will be time will tell in the meantime though uh, we have we've been playing some stuff so that's pretty much it for news and the weird topsy turviness of news But uh, yeah, we've been playing some stuff. Uh, I guess we could go first with the simple Pokemon Home, which is a little less exciting. And uh, actually, I take it back. It's not topsy-turvy because Pokemon Home had its own curveball, its own weird um, scrambled expectation, which is Uh there are many Professor Oaks, apparently. Apparently, there's a whole like the same way that Rick and Mori has like the Council of Ricks and Endless Ricks. Apparently, Pokemon's now doing that with Oaks. It seems because uh, we got to start with when you boot up the game Grand Oak. Who is he? Why does he exist? Yeah, he looks weird. He's like the weird crazy. You know already, what he looks I like? Mean, he's like Doc Brown mixed with Professor Oak. Honestly, I was, I
2: was already not on board after they announced Alolan Oak. Yeah. I mean. But yeah. that was his cousin. So it's like kind of maybe. Even then. Yeah. I don't know. I was just like, this is stupid. <laughs> he just looks like. He's a Tanner Oak. Like cousins aren't necessarily like identical twins.
0: Yeah. I this mean, guy at least doesn't look like him with a ton. to be fair, Grand Oak does not look identical. He has some crazy mm-hmm. hair. No, he does. He just has long hair and glasses, but he still has like the yeah, same everything else. I guess. I, I there was one theory from a guy on Twitter named Taco that I think actually explains what Grand Oak is. And um apparently there's an interview that Game Freak game at Game Informer where they were saying that each time they introduce an oak or oak is reintroduced, so not necessarily a new oak, just Professor Oak is brought back in a new game. It's to be considered a new era or, like, period or chapter in Pokemon. So Grand Oak is kind of the overseer of all the eras of Pokemon because Pokemon Home is supposed to be the catch-all for all the Pokemon games. So he's the Grand... He's the God Oak, essentially, is this guy's theory based on that interview, which kind of makes some sense. That's why he looks so weird and has that name and Grand, yeah. But, um... Yeah, that was definitely a bit of a curveball when Grand Oak popped up. But once you get past him, what did you think of the app? I mean, where do I like I think, that messed with it unless you have two. I don't people. know. I mean,
2: it was literally exactly what I expected it to be. Yeah. And literally every problem that I knew would happen ended up happening too. Such as? <laughs> well, like the whole like um, – <laughs> Great. I love
0: how it was so predictable.
2: Well, because like, like when, we were talking, when we were talking about like the – it was mainly the trading. Yeah, like I told, like I told you, like oh yeah, it's a nice feature, but I never touch it because people will hack their Pokemon and it will cause issues. Dude, they're
0: not just hacking them in that way. Are you are you about to say? Well,
2: rights? regardless,
0: like it's worse than what you led on to last episode.
2: Well, yeah, because technology's gotten crazier. There was only so you know. Do there. you know what I'm referencing?
0: Yes, the, the oh, you can I, say I, it. If no, you want. no, 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 no. Uh, oh, you're, you're obviously it. excited about it. It's just so insane to me. So <laughs> someone has hacked Pokemon in Sword and Shield that get traded into a the game. They're called maliciously crafted Pokemon. And if you get them in a surprise trade, which is basically like, you know, randomized Pokemon from other people, um, they will—they don't corrupt your save data per se, but they crash the game when you attempt to play online, and your online is forever broken in your save mm. file. Cool. Yeah, I uh, know. Never so. Been touched that. Uh, imagine what happens if that's a Pokemon home, and then you're, and then they find a bug or an exploit in home, yeah, and all so your home Pokemon are so erased basically it,
2: yeah it messes wild. up your game. Yeah, before like you would just get like a Pokemon that just wouldn't work, and it just be called a bad egg. But it also can sometimes like just lock you out, but not like that. So yeah, problems arose like that. But everything else is like you know, it's a nice home base to keep all your Pokemon. That's really awesome. I love that it has achievements. That's really cool.
0: I, it is interesting how they gamified it. Like
2: isn't it? It, it's it. it
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's a neat app. It's weird because, like, on some level, functionality-wise, it should be no different than something like the Switch Online app or the parental control app because it's a utility to achieve a thing, you know? But it's actually, presentation-wise, and with the achievements, more of, like, a game, which is kind of Like, it has background music. It has Grand Oak and his dialogue. Like, it also feels, like, heavier than it needs to be because it is... Like it's a it's a utility skinned as a game, but then they do add some game elements. Like if you trade more, if you open the news ten times, you get stamps, and those stamps get you Pokemon that you can play the game. So it is actually like a game, but it also has no gameplay. So it's this weird like in between app. Yeah, that some of the achievements though,
2: like uh, just like following Joe Merrick, the guy that runs Therapy, yeah, um, seem like oddly specific, and it's like oh man, like if you really want to get all the achievements, like I'm so sorry, for, I feel so sorry for you. Like, one of them is literally, like, withdraw a Butterfree from your account. Like, if they have, like, some achievements like that, then I don't know what other arbitrary Pokemon they would want you to just have, like, withdraw this X Pokemon from this account. Right. So, you know, pretty much you're going to have to, at one point, put every single Pokemon in there and get every single Pokemon out. And, you know, that Which, actual- you know, a lot of people will be more than happy to do, but, you know, it's... It's definitely gonna cost. It's it's definitely gonna be a good amount of work if you didn't already have like all these right. games
0: already like ready for Pokemon Home. And and honestly, that point that like you have to actually manually import all the Pokemon. This is a good sense. To say, but I kind of wish, like I w- if we live in a cloud era, everything can sync, right? Like I kind of wish if you have encountered a Pokemon in Sword and Shield or in Let's Go or in Pokemon Go. They won't be uploaded in a Pokemon box, but I would love if their Pokedex entry was there. Like, the thing that, to me, I'm kind of like, oh, is they have a National Dex in the app. Yeah, but that it's is, only that based on who name. you import into the app. I want to see every Pokemon I've ever encountered in all my Pokemon travels in every supported game. I think that'd be really cool, and it shouldn't be that hard to sink in just when you next connect online in any of the games. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm
2: okay with that not being there. I'd rather it just be whatever you import in instead of just automatically...
0: But the whole idea is, like, this is your central hub of all your Pokemon activities, so shouldn't it know what you've seen? No, I I think it's (laughs) those separate. Do you have any reason why?
2: I don't know. Organizational. But but the Dex
0: is not the same as your boxes. That's my point. The Dex is hidden three menus deep on one screen only. So, like, in there they could show it. And they could even have a Pokeball next to it if it's in the box or a symbol or something.
2: I don't know. I, I think it's just my, just the way I would just, like just Like it to be portrayed, I guess. Oh, uh, well,
0: clearly, so does Game Freak, but there's like, no real,
2: I, there's no real rhyme or reason for it. Yeah, it's just, uh, just how I just I feel like it. if
0: it was like a fuller companion app, like if they did Pokédex 3D from the 3DS, but then made it cater to the Pokémon you've ex- encountered across all the different games, that to me would be like the cool thing. It just feels like they went so far with doing so much that that, that one end. little thing when,
1: when people say completing the national decks, does that mean just that's everything, that's everything, but, but is that catching them or just like, encountering them?
2: No, that means you, you, you caught them.
1: Oh, okay. Well, you actually caught one of each.
0: But in every Pokemon game, any Pokemon you encounter still shows up in a limited form in your Pokedex. Right. And you know, right. they don't even have to, you know what, maybe it's not encountered. Maybe it's any Pokemon you've caught in any Pokemon game, regardless of whether you upload them into Pokemon Home, still gives you the Pokedex entry and says, yes, you have it. It's sitting in this game. There's your organizational benefit right there. So you know exactly who's where when. And it can all be cross-cloud synced. It just seems like such a missed opportunity to not let you see your broader collection and only see the ones you put into home, which means they're taking out of your other game. And in some cases, it's a one-way transfer, like from Bank. But no. if you knew you had them, that would be cool, I feel like. I, if it's I, if from the collecting angle versus the uh, saying up teams to battle angle.
2: Yeah, because a feature like that yeah. means like nothing at all to me. But, I mean, I don't know. I am going to pose that question to my brother-in-law, who is literally like trying to create a living deck. So that I'm curious to see if he actually would care.
0: Right, because it just seems like such an obvious... But at the same
2: time, he also kind of keeps track of everything in each game that he's playing, so it also kind of seems like... But he has to do that
0: manually. Why not just have the the one app tell you? It's already telling you what Pokemon you have in the app. Like, why not just go further?
2: Well, knowing him, he's not even going to start Sword and Shield
0: until he already transfers everything into those, so it's going to be an non-issue. I know what you mean, yep. The... Yeah, the only other thing about Pokemon before we jump to Persona is Kevin, you did ask last episode whatever happened to that Pokemon leaker. Yeah, I have an answer for you. Leaker? They exactly no. Um, he was. It turns out the leaker was a reviewer for a Pokemon or for a Nintendo site, faintly called F Nintendo. They've been around for eleven years. They're Portuguese. He got an early copy of the game to review. How and he was like, nah, and took some photos and uploaded some stuff and now uh, Nintendo's cut off F Nintendo and F Nintendo's fired him. Hmm. And like I don't like how big of a jerk you have to be to want to do something like that. Like I don't just mean from the perspective of it ruining the dev and Nintendo the devs and Nintendo's own like vision of how they're gonna introduce these Pokemon, but I mean like to be in a position where Nintendo Is giving you access to these games early, and you have a relationship with the company you love to cover. That you have a whole website for, and then you just kind of like so many people pine to be able to do, like want to be able to do that. Like I have been fortunate enough at one point in time to have been able to do that, and I just can't imagine being like, thanks Nintendo, time to screw you over. Like I just can't. How long had he been? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I don't think I think it was long enough to gain the trust of the site at least. It wasn't eleven years like the site's relationship with Nintendo, but I can't imagine like doing that. Like it, you're in a very privileged spot. To hey have man, that some people just want to watch the world burn. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But um, yeah, it. I was like, that's dumb. Um, yeah. And, oh, oh, oh. One, one other, other thing to keep in line with our scrambled expectations theme. Um, there's one random thing about Pokemon Home we haven't talked about oh. in the APK, which is the Google Play file of Pokemon Home is a random animated gif. Have you guys seen this? Yeah. Angel? No. I'm bringing it up on my computer right now. Uh, who wants to try and describe why this exists? This is in the file of Pokemon Home officially issued by Nintendo and Game Freak and Pokemon Company. Oh. It's. Anyone want to take a stab at describing this? I'd rather not. <laughs>
2: I mean, do look like a mom trying to dance and she accidentally bumped her kid.
0: I mean, yeah, she's wearing like a two-piece something, and yep, she's she's sort of course, shimmying and shimmies her does she butt has right to her child. Does she consent. have four toes? She might. It's subserv sort of animation. No one knows what this is, why it's here, or anything, but it's in the game. It's in Pokemon Home, and if you listeners at home want to see this cartoon mom, we should probably emphasize this cartoon. We didn't mention that part. Cartoon yeah. uh, line art mom of sorts, uh, dance and shimmy and. Literally butt her kid out of the frame. Either rotoscope they're really well animated. Yeah, either way, if you want to see it for yourself, there's a link on the blog post. But it um, of all the random, unexpected things to happen on this podcast, or, or the news we covered, this is up there. This might be number one. But now let's talk about the other scramble. Let's talk about Persona 5 scramble, or the demo for the game that comes out in a couple weeks.
1: Hey, yo. So that's all you, Kevin. So it comes out in a couple of weeks
0: in Japan. Yes, in America, it's who knows when.
1: Yep. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Persona 5 scramble, for those who don't know... It's an action game co-developed by Omega Force, the guys behind the Dynasty Warrior games, and the Persona Studio. And it's set within the Persona 5 timeline. It actually takes place a couple of months after the ending of Persona 5. So that basically makes this game a sequel, which is interesting because usually spinoffs are just Mm non-canonical. And now that I think about it, I think that means that Persona 5 Royal isn't canon Unless unless they still haven't uh, shown the that extra character that they added to Royal. But uh, anyways, basic premise for the game is that there are shadows starting to attack people all around Japan. Shadows being the like regular enemies that you face in uh, Persona 5. All the cutscenes on the dialogue were in Japanese because, of course, it's a Japanese demo. So I had no idea what anybody was
0: saying. I couldn't follow the story really. What do you mean? Did it sound us good? Like did, oh. Did, was, there, was the voice acting solid? <laughs> did it? Did you feel captivated by the emotion in their voice?
1: Uh, honestly, <laughs> no, because I played the game with dub, because the Persona, uh. the Persona games always had pretty good dubs. Gotcha. Um, Rub-a-dub-dub. What this game did remind me, though. <laughs> oh, <what? laughs> it did remind me of that. What, what this game did remind me of, though, was like, I used to know all the hiragana by heart, and now I don't. So that made me feel pretty bad. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, Japan is being attacked, and that's where the Phantom Thieves, the the cast from the original game, or as I think they're being called in this game, the Phantom Strikers come in because that's the subtitle of the game, mm. Persona 5 Scramble, the Phantom Strikers. Uh, you're just basically going around Japan with uh, the crew and fighting Shadows. With your squad. With your squad. But you're not fighting them in the same way that you did in Persona 5, and that's because this, this game's combat is nothing like Persona 5's turn-based combat, mm-hmm. because like I said, being developed by Omega Force... This is a Dynasty Warriors like game, and we've seen this within the last couple of years of Omega Force taking a well-beloved series, and then they mix it with their gameplay that they've been doing for years. So we saw that with which one was the first one? Was it Hyrule? Was it Hyrule Warriors? So yeah, it was Hyrule Warriors. Then they did Fire Emblem Warriors, Dragon Quest. Oh, you're right, mm -hmm. Dragon Quest Mm -hmm. with Dragon Quest Heroes, and then and then Fire Emblem Warriors, and then there was a sequel to. I think that's the only one that's gotten a sequel so far.
0: I, I feel like, I very much feel like Omega could is the type of studio that could do the perfect, like, hi, I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from such things as Hyrule Warriors, Fire Emblem Warriors, so, Dragon Quest. So
1: they also did, so those are specifically, I mean, I don't know if Gundam, but I know the Gundam ones weren't received oh, yeah. so well. Yeah,
0: no, they were
1: and not. <laughs> I'm not a Dynasty Warriors guy, and I didn't play any of those other crossover games. But I knew those, unlike the the Gundam ones, those are at least positively received. Yeah. So like knowing that, I knew the gameplay was gonna be, I guess, competent enough for me to see it to the end credits. But after finally playing the demo, I think I'm actually gonna be having a lot more fun than I thought it would, oh. because they're integrating Persona Five's mechanics, strangely like well, and it fits oh. like this action this this action type gameplay that right.
0: So what? What? How? What? What's that look like? Like the so
1: similar to like a Dynasty Warriors or Fire Emblem heroes, Hyrule Warriors. You're clearing out like just tons and tons of enemies mm-hmm. using just a simple, simple attack button. You're you're doing these basic three, four button combos. Uh, sometimes a combo will actually bring out your persona to do damage to to the enemies around. Uh, in in Persona Five, you have and like in uh, Smash Ultimate. Joker has his knife, and he also has his gun, and you do get to use his gun. It's not like a third-person shooter, so it's nothing too crazy. You're basically just locking onto... Basically
0: a projectile.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah.
0: Oh, you can actually lock on? Is that what you're saying?
1: You can only lock on with a gun. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Where it feels like the most like Persona is when you hit R. um, The game pauses and brings up your Persona skill menu, and it looks like it was straight-up ripped from Persona 5's (laughs) UI. And when you choose a skill, let's say, for example, a win skill. Uh, Garu? I think it's called Garu. Garu. Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, I like these uh, ram interjections you in there. You get, the, you get this little uh, uh, AOE ring in front of you that will show you not just what enemies you're going to be hitting with that skill, but which enemies are weak to that skill. And uh, when you do hit an enemy that's weak to, to a skill, they'll fall to the ground dazed, and then a the little button prompt comes up you hit that button and you're doing an all out attack. So, all out attacks are for those that didn't play Persona 5 is Joker smash. Joker's final smash. Oh, okay. The the little what do you The real slick Yeah. So, it's actually I'm guessing
2: in the actual game you're not shooting stars out of their throat or I mean stars don't fly out of their throat. Like, I think it's, it's actually- supposed to be
1: like So in Persona 5 it's like it's like
0: blood. It's like yeah, because Smash Brothers, Brothers it no. stars really. Yeah. Oh, I've never noticed it that. Too violent, I guess. It's yeah, it's a T for teen game, not an M for mature game.
1: Uh, yeah. So your party rushes, uh, rushes that one enemy from where, wherever they're at, and they do that all out at attack. But it doesn't look as nearly as cool as the ones done in in Persona Five proper or or Ultimate. It's just like your characters. The character is rushing that enemy and just flying by the screen.
0: Is the game
1: less stylish and? I so, uh, was so, ahead of you? Yeah, Sorry. so you're getting a little ahead of me. Sorry, uh, but with with those all-out attacks, you're uh, you're also clearing any enemies that that that, that enemy that you knock down. Mm-hmm. So that's you know, a little bit smart. Uh, they do have this meter that's called the Showtime meter, and that's this game's equivalent of the all-out attack.
0: Wasn't that the name of the meter in Tokyo Mirage Sessions 2 when you were talking about it last episode? Was that? No.
1: Wasn't it? No, it was called like Special Performance. Oh, Showtime Special, show time, yeah, special yeah. Performance. Special Performance, same. yeah. It's all the same. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> Mana. So all it is. <laughs> so once you fill that meter, uh, you're pressing, what is it? I think I think Eleanor, And that one will actually trigger a small cutscene. And not only do these uh, showtime attacks clear even more enemies than like a skill or uh, or the all-out attack, but they look really, really slick. It's it's just a small little cutscene. They look really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can only really uh, use Joker's in this one, but I've seen a couple of the videos that they that have been posted around, and they all look so unique. Like that's where you got a little ahead of me. The style in, in this game, mm-hmm. this game isn't any less stylish than, than Persona Five.
0: That is surprising.
2: Yeah, I mean like, I'm looking at a trailer now and like, damn, like I would if I didn't know any better. That's just Persona Five to you? Um a little like bit. Like if you didn't well, know any better? Yeah, yeah. If I didn't know any better I would think this is Persona Five. Yeah. Like well, that's I mean, impressive because the style. game like I mean I, I like I thought like part of like a cutscene and like it looked at like the production values are still there.
1: Yeah, so I think that's that has to do because Persona 5, persona five the Persona team is co developing this. Because I don't know, did did Nintendo co-develop? They Hyrule had Warriors input, or... <laughs> like right. They had a producer on, right? I think but this one is being those
0: games vary. like all the dyn- all the Warrior games up to that point. They swapped out some assets and stuff, but it was kind of the same look for right. all of them. Like they warriored up uh, Zelda characters. They mm-hmm. didn't like Zeldify Warrior characters. Wait, the right. dude from Catherine comes so. out.
2: What? Could've which fun. which
0: guy? Uh, the main character.
1: Oh. Uh, it might be a skin that the that the main character, huh? Because uh, there was DLC for. Oh wow, this does look really stylish. I'm now yeah. getting to the trailer. Yeah, there there was, yeah, DLC it was like a for cell change so. situation. Kind of. Well, yeah, that's how the original game looked up. Like, right, right. Have you seen the menus for Persona Five? Um, yeah, those oh, menus. Yeah. Are so those those menus are amazing, and I kind of feel like they won up themselves in this game because now they're like. They're actually like Angel so amazing he lifted
0: his iPad and put it towards his face. No, no. Was <laughs> like... Oh, you're to Show oh, it. Oh,
1: n- n- no. That's the that's the main character. Oh, this is the back of him.
0: Yeah, but yeah. It's... But it's funny in Persona Five
1: there is a Catherine DLC pack where oh. he is wearing uh, Vincent's Oh, the It is crazy
0: though that like I don't know what money Atlas threw at Omega, but like yeah, this is way more of a style palette swap than any of Nintendo's Warrior Crabs.
2: Well, you know what they say.
0: What like, do they say? Please enlighten us.
2: When you find money. You throw it at something.
0: Who are the they that (laughs) say that? You right now? (laughs) Financially responsible people? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, but but like I said,
1: all of that game style translates really well. Like, what I wasn't expecting was a remix of the battle theme of Persona 5 Last Surprise, Mm -hmm. which you hear throughout your 100 hours of that game because the only battle, well, there's like two or three battle themes, Mm -hmm. but they brought that back but this time, it has, like, a hard rock edge to it, and, like, it pumps you up, and it feels so appropriate for this type of game, mm. where, like, if you throw that one into the turn-based battles, I wouldn't be into it at all. Oh, sure, yeah. But yeah. this is a fast action game, and it looks, oh man, the style that, I feel like you could put Persona 5 style and, like, their, their cast and everything into any genre, and i and I probably play it. Maybe not have fun with it.
0: <laughs> but you'd appreciate because it Because honestly, the
1: gameplay, yeah, it could have been crap. Right. But the style and the characters right. would have been enough for me to slog through it. Well, that's what I love about Joker Stage and Smash is it's so
0: stylish. It's so
1: dynamic. Yeah, and his, that's like, just,
0: windscreen is so stylish. That's just what, the, yeah, this, this so game stylish.
1: is just, like, Bleed style. Yeah. Uh Thankfully, that isn't the case where the gameplay is crap. I legitimately have fun with this. It was it was only like forty five minutes long. Right. But like I'm definitely now more excited for the final product. Before I was like, all right, just some more personal five content, but like now I'm counting the days until And it's it's confirmed for America, right? No, no. No? No. Oh. I don't think they said that they I think Royal They copyrighted for the
0: U or Royal's. Royal was confirmed. the one that,
1: that they confirmed for West, and That's coming out next month. But I think Atlas has been quiet
0: about this one coming out of I'm checking to see if there's a date. Wikipedia would never lie, right? Well, I mean, no. I use it was a uh, It doesn't say. Yeah. Oh.
1: I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure Alice hasn't said anything about yeah. this. I wouldn't be surprised if... In due time.
0: Yeah. There's like... no way Nintendo wouldn't want them to do it, considering, like, Joker and Smash and everything. They yeah, want. right. It could be a big grab. Interesting. Yeah, but... So... Well, hopefully, it comes stateside. So, you know, that might not be the only Persona game, too. Atlas has been running an interesting survey the last couple weeks over in Japan. Oh, have they? Yes, they did an online survey in Japan a couple of weeks ago, and one of the questions for, uh, was, "What games would people like to see on the Switch?" Specifically, if previous Atlas games, games which can be played on other hardware without adding additional elements, were ported to the Nintendo Switch, would you want to play them? Select all the titles that apply that you'd like to play on the Switch. And it was everything Persona 1 through 5, their spin offs, a couple of the Shimigami Tensei's, 3 and 4, Catherine, Devil Summoner, a bunch of the Etrian Odyssey. Like, it was a list. Was Demon Souls on that list by any chance? I think it might have been. Okay, cool. I can't remember,
1: to be honest. But the interesting, I think that's the only one that Alice published.
0: The interesting thing is um, they then said on their Twitter after the survey closed, which was, I guess, a few days ago, that it was the single most, uh, they, the most feedback companies ever received on one survey ever. I oh, think wow. So I think, um, I think you're going to be getting some Persona content on Switch besides Scramble.
1: Oh, man. I've... That'd be
2: pretty cool because I'd, I'd be want to play tipping, more of though. those games. Oh, yeah. I want to play those Persona games.
0: Yeah. I remember playing – which was the Persona that was all yellow? Was it three? Persona 4. Four. It was four. I yeah. remember playing Persona. I somehow ended up – back when Ram was – it came out. Wait, when did that come out? Persona 4? Like, 2007? Like, at the end yeah. of the PS2's life cycle. So, 2007. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because right I there. played it senior year of high school. I was still doing Random Nintendo. Atlas sent, like, as a daily site, Atlas sent me a review copy for PS2. Hmm. I, I think I gave it to a friend. But anyway, I played, like, with that friend. We played through a bunch of it. It was really fun. And that I one, one is a lot
1: of people's favorite for some reason. I never, never got into it. Never clicked with the, you? Never clicked. Like, I finished it, but just never clicked with me I, but I five much prefer is your, five is your jam yeah of the ones that I've played uh, one and two are very different they're more Shimagami tensei games mm-hmm. uh, than persona games but of the ones that I've played it's probably five three
0: yes yeah, so playing a, close a second you're playing a spin-off of a spin-off of a spin-off
1: yes yeah a spin-off of a spin-off right spin-off. A spin-off which, which spin-off.
0: sounds silly out loud but actually a lot of gamings like that isn't it now that I think about because like if you think about Mario Paper Mario is a off of Mario RPG, which is a off of Mario.
1: Okay, sure.
0: Like, it is like this sort of... Or, like, Four Swords is a off of A Link to the Past, which is a off of the original Zelda. Well, not a spinoff, it's a sequel, but there's a lot of that. Right. Metro Prime Hunters is a spin-off of Metroid Prime, which is a spin-off of Metroid. Huh. A lot of games do this 3D thing. Hmm. Weird. I mean, if we were to get, pers- like, Persona 4, Persona four,
1: personal 5 proper, uh, I guess it would have to be... Would you do- Would you double dip? oh man at this point probably not well, because i a
0: special edition physical copy thing like oh a, like I'd, I'd buy that but I probably so wouldn't
1: I would probably wouldn't especially considering that next month I'm gonna be playing Royal right. trying to platinum that right then oh, man I never platinum 5
0: <laughs> speaking of next month unless there's any topics I'm forgetting our next episode will be at the start of next month on March 1st that pretty much does it for this one unless I'm missing something what yeah so our next episode will be on March 1st who knows maybe we'll have a direct by then, or some news with unexpected twists like we've had the last few weeks I mean, at the very least, we'll be talking about some games and, uh, I think we'll have our takes on the Sonic movie, barring any scheduling snafus I'm not thinking of, so to make sure you don't miss all that you can subscribe, whatever that may turn into. You can subscribe to us on every podcast app known to man. So we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Pandora, Spotify, YouTube, uh, RamNintendo.com is our channel on there. I feel like I'm forgetting one, but you can ask Alexa for us. You can ask Google for us. We're, we're everywhere. Or you can just follow us on Twitter at RamNintendo. Or you can follow us individually on Twitter. I'm JSR7, AngelsWero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. Don't wear it out. Kevin is uh, KVN Gomez, and unless I'm thinking of anything else, I don't think so. So, Kevin, you know the drill. You have the final word. Watch Parasite.